Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. To another episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. That's the whole ref and show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. Oh, Darren. It's that time of year, isn't it? Uh, what time of year is that? Time of year to grab a glass full of eggnog and... Well, I, I'm with you there. And get warm and cozy by the fire. I don't have a fireplace. And uh, talk about what's been going on in the world of wrestling. Oh, I'm always up for that. I know you are, Darren. I know you are. I know that at least once a week, you're up for that. And even when you aren't, I force you to be up for that. (laughs) That's right, folks. It is Christmas time here at the Whole Reference Show. The stockings have been hung. Hanged. Hanged, right? Probably hanged? They, uh, correct. Right. Stockings have been hanged. Right. By the, uh... The chimney with care. Yeah. Uh, even though there, like I said, there is no chimney here in the studio. The proverbial <laughs> chimney. Sure. Right. In hopes that St. Nicholas soon will be there. Old Saint Nick. Old St. Nicholas, uh, he'll be coming soon. Merry Christmas, dear listeners. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Hashtag Merry Christmas. Hashtag dear listeners. Hashtag happy holidays. Uh, you know. That's all. <laughs> ha- hashtag not, not happy. All hashtag happy Hanukkah. Correct. Hashtag happy non-conformist holiday. If you don't like Christmas for all the corporate nonsense reasons, I'm with you, man. Hashtag happy Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, sure, absolutely. Hashtag. Hashtag. <laughs> for some reason, they all have to be hashtag. Oh, it's got to be a hashtag every time. Ha- hashtag happy happy, folks, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the Whole Ref and Show. Again, I've heard from many, and, and mostly by us, that it's the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the That's middle. That's true. You know who's calling it that, don't you? We are. We are. <laughs> and uh, this is really great. We're actually getting toward the end of the year here. Uh, it's not the end of the year quite yet. This is episode 66. Um, and uh, this, this one's full. This one's full of wrestling. This is full, just like we hope all of your stockings, multi-denominational yeah. holiday presents are full, and your living rooms or your apartments are full of yeah. presents. Your boxes or your gifts are full. The stockings, all your receptacles are full of things. I hope that all of you have many full receptacles. <laughs> Happy Full Receptacle Day, everybody. There we go. Hashtag Happy Full Receptacle Day. Yes, indeed. And this, like, this show is full of... Our, our, our podcast receptacles are full of info. Because uh, we're talking about uh, quite a bit of things here. Quite a lot of headlines hitting the wrestling world right now. we got some unfortunate injuries. Again, 
There's a difference on the show between fortunate injuries <laughs> and unfortunate injuries, according to Darren. Um, there's that. Uh, Vince McMahon bringing back a, uh, a Fed, uh, but it's not the Fed that you're thinking of, more or less. Uh, this one's more of a league. It's more of a league. Uh, and, it's, it's, and yes, it is the one you're thinking of. <laughs> in that case, it is the one you're thinking of. Uh, also, good news for the ladies. Uh, we speculated about this on the last episode, but we have confirmation now uh, about uh, a certain women's Royal Rumble. And uh, also, a bit more unfortunate news as a, a former wrestling great uh, passes away. And of course, that's never a happy situation, uh, but we'll get into that once we get into our headlines. So, uh, but some happier stuff, uh, WWE over the weekend had a pay-per-view slash network exclusive Clash of Champions went down. Dan and I went head-to-head. Head-to-head. For the winners and losers would be for that one. Uh, plus, of course, we got to talk about night two of Fest Wrestling's uh, Wrestle Weekend they had. We got to talk about Pickle in the Tree 2. Hell yeah. Which Darren and I uh, had the pleasure of uh, absorbing at uh, eight seconds. That's always a fun fest show. And uh, not only that, not only did we get an awesome wrestle show, but we actually got an exclusive interview with an awesome tag team and their beloved coach. I'm talking about the Ugly Ducklings are on today's episode, folks. Lance Lude, Rob Killjoy, and the beloved coach Mikey. Hell yes, again, we have a killer conversation with the Ugly Ducklings that we conducted right before Pickle in the Tree 2 began. And so not only are you going to get to hear this excellent interview with these quack attack fellows, but also our breakdown of Pickle in the Tree 2. You can hear all about the excellent second rendition of the Pickle in the Tree tradition that Fest Wrestling presented us in early December. All of that and more on today's episode. Before we can get to there, we should probably talk about those headlines. The ladies of WWE got some good news before the end of the year. They found out that they indeed were getting... A Royal Rumble. Now, as I said earlier in the episode, we talked about this in the last episode at great length. And it was, you know, the word's been out there for quite a while. And we were thinking, like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And I figured the May Young Classic seemed pretty successful. They definitely have the roster for it. All these people got called up recently to Raw and SmackDown. I think they absolutely have the numbers to put on a Women's Rumble. And uh, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see it. I am very, very excited about this match. Um... I've already heard the speculation begin that we talked about, which is, will it only be 20? It'll probably only be 20. Mm-hmm. Probably only 20 entrants. No, I think you and I are right. It cannot be any in any way different than the men's match because any way that it would be different, it would be lesser than. Right. And they're not going to do that. Or right. they damn sure shouldn't. Right. And I'm pretty sure they won't. As I said before, if... If it fails, it needs to fail because it failed, not because they shortchanged it. You know what I mean? And said, too true. Said too like true. They, they came out twice as fast, or there's only 20 people in it. So I mean, just have a normal Royal Rumble, 30 women involved. If it doesn't work for whatever reason, then it just didn't work because it didn't work. Uh, and I can't imagine it not working. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be absolutely great. the The few details that have come out is that. 
Apparently, all women who are currently on the Raw and SmackDown rosters that are not the champions will be in the match. And, in addition to that, which how many is that? That's less than 20. It's a lot, but it's less than 20. That leaves a whole lot of spots for NXT girls, surprises, and maybe some Mae Young holdovers who you know may or may not have appeared in NXT yet, but are working at the Performance Center in some capacity. That's very exciting. Uh, I think Ronda Rousey from the UFC is almost a given. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost no way she's not going to appear in this She'll match. She'll exist in some capacity. Either she'll be in the audience for this historic, momentous occasion, or... Yeah. And I'm calling it right now, and this may not be a surprise to all of you, dear listeners, but there doesn't seem to be any talk about it online or anything. I'm going with at least one, if not both, of the Bella Twins returning in this match. I don't know. Everybody wants to talk about Trish Stratus, who did tweet... Everybody does. Everybody does. <laughs> Everybody wants to talk about Trish Stratus, and she did tweet, wear them boots, you know, or maybe Lita, but I'm thinking if we don't get Trish or Lita, or maybe even if we do, look for Nikki or Brie Bella to appear in this match, because they're all but done. Brie was supposed to have been done after WrestleMania Dallas. Right. Nikki, it's all, all kind of been up in the air because of her double retirement, her marriage with John Cena and her neck injury, but... Kind of hard to pass up his, like history. True. And, I mean, it probably wouldn't be hard for at least one, if not both, Bella Twins. You'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll need one of those 30 spots. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, so so that, that's, that's a big possibility. They, of course, broke the news on Raw, and they brought the women's locker room into the ring... Uh, they being uh, Stephanie McMahon, I should say. And she basically told all the women who actually apparently did not know. They, they did not know that was the announcement. Um, so their their reaction to the news on Raw, obviously very positive, was genuine. Um, and the audience, of course, they popped for it too, which is very cool. And, and rightly so. Um, the only thing I didn't like about it, and it's the nitpicky wrestling fan that's like, but wait a minute, you know, of course, Absolution's in the ring with them, and they're all happy, and they're all best friends, because, you know, more or less wrestling is not real, um, but at the same time, it's like, you, you can't be happy and hand-holdy with these women who are trying to destroy the women's locker room, so there, 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 there is that, so little, little, little nitpick, little gripe, obviously for the greater good, uh, the women's rumble is a good thing, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. And when we hear more about it, you, of course, will learn more about it, dear listeners. Oh, absolutely. We're going to be talking about this match a whole lot more. We're going to be talking about it because it is a Royal Rumble match. Absolutely. You know, I in very, very short order, dear listeners, you're going to hear all about uh, the men's Royal Rumble just because it's a great Boo! thing. To, <laughs> it's a great, fun thing to speculate on and, and talk about. So. But we have two Rumble matches to uh, to consider this year, so that's pretty cool. That's right. Speaking of Rumbles, folks, we might have a little contest for you guys to get involved with in the uh, the Royal Rumble. A little more about that. Some of you listeners who've listened way back when might know what I'm hinting at, and some of you new folks might be kind of curious, but more on that uh, in the future episodes, so keep a listen out for that. So good news for the women. Uh, some bad news for some of the men. Uh, a couple of unfortunate injuries. Again, unfortunate injuries. <laughs> not those. Not those. Not so bad. Not fortunate those fortunate injuries. injuries. Not where you like break your leg, but someone was about to shoot you in the face, so you kind of you you kneel down and you missed the shot. That, I think that's a fortunate. I injury. guess that would be a fortunate injury. Yeah, 
Um, Maybe that's what that CCR song was about. That's what it is. Uh, well, of course, Noam Dar was actually injured. He's been injured for a week or two by now. Yeah, he was actually injured on uh, November 27th. Yeah. He was in a fatal four-way number one contenders match, and he tore his meniscus. It's fatal for his meniscus. It was. It was a fatal meniscus oh. uh, tear. Not a fatal meniscus tear, no. It wasn't. <laughs> he, li- he survived. In a fatal but, meniscus tear match. But he did uh, end up requiring surgery. Yeah. And now he's looking at five months of recovery time. Man. And uh, messed up knees are, are no fun. And uh, they are not uh, quickly healed. Yeah. You know, you only have to walk on it uh, all day, every day for your whole life. Yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's a tender a tender region, but we wish no Amdar the Scottish supernova, the very best on a, on a speedy recovery. Absolutely, absolutely do. And uh, he's not the only one that's on the shelf. Uh, Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose, who historically is just the Iron Man of wrestling. And the Lunatic Fringe. And the Lunatic Fringe, more so historically. Um, he's boasted several times on you know television that, that he rarely misses shows and has worked more dates than anyone else over the past couple of years. Uh, Ambrose, though, injured by Samojo and the bar on television, but actually ended up injuring Dean Ambrose for real. Um, he actually had what they were calling a high-grade triceps tendon injury. Um, he actually did have surgery. It was successful, but it's unknown how long Dean Ambrose is going to be out. But it's a bad time to be out with the Royal Rumble just on the horizon and... WrestleMania. I was uh, about not to too say. much further out. So yeah, once you've hit the Rumble, we are literally on the road to WrestleMania. And Seth Rollins can tell him what it feels like to to miss a Rumble because of an injury. Or... I, I'm <laughs> telling you, this Shield reunion has been an invitation for calamity. Yeah, calamity Jane, and uh, <laughs> who will be in the Women's Rumble, by the way. <laughs> I it's uh, one unfortunate thing after another has befallen the members. Of the shield, and so uh, watch out, Seth Rollins. You're next. You could be next. I hope he's not next. So, that poor guy's had plenty of injuries already. But in other unfortunate news, Tom Zink has passed away. Uh, the whole reference show learned just today that uh, the Z-Man uh, passed away last week sometime, uh, and we are sad to hear of his passing. If you grew up in the 80s watching WWF or NWA and early WCW, you would be familiar with Tom Zink, the Z-Man, and uh, his tag team in the WWF with Rick Martel. And, of course, he tagged with a lot of different individuals in WCW, uh, frequently tagging with Flying Brian Pillman. And uh, Z-Man, I remember, was... <laughs> was famously a part of NWA's team on uh, an old Ray Combs episode of Family Feud. <laughs> and uh, Z-Man uh, passes away at the age of 59. So Yeesh. that is uh, unfortunate. No details have been released regarding a cause of death at this time. But uh, we wish the best to his family. And always sad to see uh, a beloved figure from our wrestling, our collective wrestling past, um, uh, go on to their great reward. So we are uh, sad to hear about this. So uh, Godspeed, Tom Zink. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and finally, on today's episode, we're talking about something that we never thought we'd actually talk about 
in a present tense or a future <laughs> tense. Uh, past tense, sure, all the time. The XFL. The XFL. The extreme, because extreme starts with the letter X. <laughs> the extreme it sounds football like it league. Does. It does. It should be XXX. Uh, FL, that'd be great. Uh, I'm, I can't believe that it wasn't. Right. At the time in which the original incarnation of Vince McMahon's rogue football league, there could not have been anything more appropriate in all of its inappropriateness. But, uh, so, the XFL, apparently it will live again. It will ride again. It will rise from the ashes like a phoenix. It seemed at the time, a few months ago, when WWE filed for the XFL trademarks all over again, that it was simply a move uh, to coincide with ESPN's uh, 30 for 30 uh, documentary about uh, the XFL. I think Vince McMahon and all of his marketing and merchandising glory said, hey, somebody might try to capitalize on this documentary. Let's make sure if anybody sells anything with that logo or that name that by god i'm trying to collect some of the money that i lost and he did he lost many 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 millions of dollars he lost many many millions of wwe's dollars and so that is why in addition to the xfl trademarks being renewed a few months ago by wwe there are new trademarks being filed by new companies a VKM Ventures, LLC, has trademarked the terms United Football League and the corresponding UFL abbreviation. Apparently, VKM Ventures, LLC, is a privately owned company owned by VKM himself, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and this venture... You're speculating that the VKM stands for that, by the way. Uh, sure. That, that, well, let's go with that. It's pure speculation. Um, it, it could certainly stand for Voodoo Ken Mafia. You just asked for a dog about that. Yes. I believe that uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon and his VKM Ventures LLC has trademarked these terms because he knows he has to operate outside of WWE this time because WWE is now a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. And he does not want to send... Uh, his his uh, board of directors uh, running and screaming because this seems like a very, very uh, unwise idea. Yeah, because uh, originally XFL historically uh, uh, failed. Um, for the, some of the listeners who don't really know exactly what XFL is, you want to give us a very quick uh, 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 history lesson there? Professor? The XFL, the Extreme Football League, launched uh, at the height of WWE's success. WWF success at the time. VKM, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, was overcoming the obstacles that Ted Turner, Eric Bischoff, and World Championship Wrestling were putting in front of him, feeling so high and mighty that reconnecting with his old pal from the earliest WrestleMania and Saturday night's main event days, NBC buddy Dick Ebersole, Vince decided to launch his own alternative to the NFL, the National Football League, and the XFL was born between Ebersole and McMahon, going to NBC, 
broadcasting and providing this alternative, this off-season, uh, slightly differently branded football league. They would do a lot of innovative uh, ideas in the XFL, like doing away with the traditional kickoff and having a scramble for first possession. They, uh, I believe, invented the camera that I forget the name of the actual camera, the operating system, but it's the camera that's on a wire right. and runs over the top of the field and you get to see those like video game only perspectives like from behind the quarterback. Right. And you know they, they track people running down the field. The uh, the XFL invented that. Let's say that there's actually a few things the NFL took from XFL. Uh, they did as, not... as much as they shit on XFL. They oh, were... Yeah. It's a pretty good idea. And rightfully so, though. Right. The XFL was kind of a disaster. But one of the things that was absolutely brilliant was allowing the players to put whatever they wanted on the back of their jersey in place of what would commonly be a name mm-hmm. in peewee football, high school, college, or pro. They could put whatever they want. And, of course, the most infamous of all was He Hate Me. And uh, that made that one man a star in both the XFL and a, a, a brief NFL career as well. They got they got vanity plates, basically. Uh, exactly. They, every player plates. has a vanity plate. Ocho uh, Cinco. That's, that's where he got it from. XFL? There you go. It absolutely is. Yeah. And um, the XFL was very short-lived. It was, by all means, a financial disaster. And Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersole, they they allowed it to go gently into that good night. And they both sort of walked away with their tails between their legs. But now it's been almost 20 years. Vince is feeling trigger happy. He's got an itchy trigger finger. Something about a trigger. And uh, what's the, on the kids? Isn't that what the kids say these days? Something about trigger or being triggered? Sure. Yeah, just hashtag triggered. Um <laughs> they totally do. It's something. I don't understand. I feel old all of a sudden. I don't have too many kids, Darren. I'm sorry. Uh, it's probably something my students hashtag all their Instagram posts with. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Beasley's AP class today. Hashtag triggered. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Vince McMahon, is, he's feeling froggy, and so he's going to jump. Apparently... With NFL ratings down, it's blood in the water for Vince. Mm-hmm. Vince sees an opportunity to get while the getting's good. And whether it's the XFL, the UFL, or perhaps the URFL. And uh, we'll have to see what the hell that even means. What would, it, the, what would be the URL for the URFL? The, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But apparently, in addition to VKM Ventures... Uh, there's also another company called Alpha Entertainment LLC. Okay. Also being attributed to being a private company oh, created by Vince McMahon. And uh, they have trademarked the term URFL, both an all capitalized version and a version in which U, F, and L are capitalized, but the R is lowercase. You have to trademark if it's lowercase, uppercase? Apparently so. What the hell's wrong with the world? And so, Vince McMahon, striking out on his own, like Nomad, has these separate companies prepared to do something with some sort of football league. So, I'm going to sit back and, and wait to cover the story some more. 
We don't have a lot else to say about it right now because there isn't anything else known. Right. But this is going to be a fascinating story to follow. Does it come on the network, though, is my question. Ooh, I might watch it if it did. See? Is it is it for wrestling fans? Ah, but it's not, you, you, But no one's going to watch it if it comes on an, ex- an exclusive $10 a month channel, though, right? They're not going to... Right, it's not going to bring new subscribers to the network. That's yeah. for sure. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. Uh, NFL ratings are down. A lot of NFL controversy because of rule changes, uh, kneeling during the national anthem, protests, of course, Pro- all these protests, protests of the protests. But but if if there's football during the football off season, though, I think that's that's very smart, right? I think it's totally smart. That is my what- dad will watch it. My dad <laughs> watches any sport. He watches any sport. Some I'm ashamed to say that he watches... Um, Hog calling? No, he watches it. Spitting? Then curling? <laughs> oh, I, God. Curling. That's the worst. I would watch spitting before I would watch curling. <laughs> Sorry, all you curlers out there. Isn't that what curling is? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so, more of the XFL. As that story develops, obviously, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of rumors and hearsay right now, but it's looking like it's going to be happening in the near future. And uh, we're going to uh, stop talking about the future and talk about the past. Because this past Sunday, Clash of Champions brought to you by VKM Ventures, <laughs> LLC, a.k.a. WWE. Uh, Vince McMahon, his brainchild, of course. Actually, no, it's his brainchild. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, so Darren and I, you and I had some conflicting opinions on who the victors would be, yeah? Yeah, they were pretty close, and uh, I wonder how we did. Uh, there's only one way to, to know, and that's to, to go through it. All right, then. Let's talk about Clash of Champions. SmackDown Live, the blue brand on behalf of the parent company WWE, presented Clash of Champions. This past Sunday, the 17th of December, 2017, from the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. This is the second Clash of Champions under the WWE banner. We had seven matchups on this night, all SmackDown Live brand exclusive. There was the pre-show. The one match from the pre-show that we discussed was Zack Ryder taking on Mojo Rawley. The former Hype Bros, now the At Each Other's Throat Bros. Right. On behalf of Mojo, uh, tearing down Zack, saying, you know, you held me back. You know, you, you didn't do your fair share. And all those fun uh, tag team tropes <laughs> yeah. that uh, inevitably come when they break up. So Mojo and Zack take each other on on the pre-show. I picked Mojo to win this match. You picked Zack to win this match. And uh, Mojo actually wins. Oh, yeah. I was right. And let me let me tell you about this match. It really looked and felt old school. And, and I'm going to say it again later because there's another time on this night where I really enjoyed something that seemed like this is out of place in 2017 WWE, and I couldn't be happier right. that it is. Well, everyone in the show knows that I'm not a huge fan of either one of these guys, uh, Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder, um, but this match uh, had some really good storytelling elements to it. Yes. 
it, it did feel very old school. I'm with you on that. It's very interesting that Mojo just basically dominates for most of the match. And and it looks like a wrestling match. It really looks like a it fight. It looks like a fight, exactly. And that's what I meant. One of the ways that it looked old school was that it's just like two big guys. You know, it's not... No offense to the small guys. We love the cruiserweight division. We love that the business has trended in that direction. Nevertheless, there is something to be said for those larger-than-average guys to kind of, you know, big, muscly, broad dudes like Ryder and Raleigh in here. Two of them with, like, loose to no gimmick. Like, they're not really heavily gimmicked guys, but they do have, they both have big personalities. Mojo's got a lot of personality, yeah. There there is, (laughs) that provides the old-school foundation. Like, it's an old-school basis for a feud. Right. Which is a tag team breakup. Yeah. It and just felt good. It's very it's a very physical fight. And uh it ends with uh Raleigh just clocking Ryder with that running forearm and the roll up of the pin. Kind of a shock that it, it went that way, but I mean it seemed like Zach didn't have a chance against Mojo. And I'm actually kind of curious to see where this goes. I might actually have to start caring about Mojo and Zach, but why'd they make Zach look so bad? That that that's my question, because he looked like just bad. I I really don't know. I think that they I think he was just collateral damage for them maybe actually pushing Mojo here. Okay. There's there's been a lot of it's I there's no other I can't help it. Sorry, no pun intended. There's been a lot of hype around Mojo Raleigh for a long time. I think it's deserved. You know, I I have championed uh, Mojo Raleigh on this program. A long time. I'm a fan, and I think uh, that they need to do something with him. I think they're trying to, and I think that Zach is just like, "Sorry, pal, you've you've kind of had your 15 minutes. We're gonna, you know, and you may have another 15 minutes later, but right now you're gonna be a step stool for for Mojo." Right. Well, we'll see what happens uh, in the future of this feud. And like I said, I'm interested, and then that's the best you can do is keep the, the viewers interested. I'm a viewer, and I am interested. With that, we enter the actual pay-per-view, though, the actual network exclusive. Darren hates when I say pay-per-view. Um, and it actually starts off with a U.S. title triple threat match where the defending champion, Baron Corbin, takes on the glorious one, Bobby Roode, and Dolph Ziggler. And uh, good match. Good match. I especially like the match when Baron Corbin is not in the ring. Like, I thought, like, all the rude Ziggler stuff was just great. And then Corbin gets in and just kind of, he just, you know, big and brawly. And it, it, it worked. It works as a triple threat match. And it, it is a good match. But just watching Rude and Ziggler wrestle was like, oh, man, I want to watch these two wrestle. You, you totally took the words out of my mouth. Oh, hey, hey. This is the other example I was going to give. I read all your notes and <laughs> just rewrote them all. And uh... I really did feel similar to the parts with Ziggler and Rude. Like I did Ryder and Raleigh. And when Corbin was out of the ring at the start of the match, Ziggler and Rude looked really old school. Both of these instances, the the pre-show match and this match, they stand in stark contrast to Raw, where everything is just like broken down programs and feuds that don't seem to work. You know, part-time wrestlers up to and including the Universal Champion, Brock Lesnar, and, and gimmicks and all of that just handicaps like a competitive atmosphere. 
And that's what seems alive on this night. And that'll be the case later, too, in the Zane Owens-Orton-Nakamura match. Competition Shane, seems to be... shane Brian yeah. match as well. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah the, but competition, co- spirited competition, whether it's over pure athleticism and wrestling, or hatred, or resentment, or whatever the basis of the feud is, there is a competitive atmosphere on this pay-per-view on this night that really surprised me and pleasantly surprised. I, I don't know. As far as, as, as Baron Corbin goes, I, I'm still on board. Uh, I, I, I have to take every opportunity, every opportunity, to say he still needs a passing of the torch from Kane. If they're not going to make him Kane's son, which I know they're not, they should put Kane over on SmackDown. And before Kane goes away forever, that's the, the uh, there needs to be a passing of the torch from Kane to Corbin. I think there needs to be a connection there. A moment, a program, a something. A, one single match. I don't care. But there needs to be a linkage between Kane and Corbin. I think it would do nothing but good for Baron Corbin. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. I understand that you want Baron Corbin to be like the new monster, but with people like Braun Strowman around, it's kind of hard for anyone else to be as as intimidating. I don't want him to be the new monster. I just want him to have an element of of intrigue that he does not have. Fair enough, fair enough. But it, it is it is a good triple threat match, and um, more so when it's just Rude and Ziggler because they're just superior wrestlers. I'll say it. They're just superior wrestlers to Baron Corbin. Well, That's sure just how it are. is. Sure Not are. to say Corbin can improve. He's still very young. Ziggler and Rude have been at it for quite a long time by now. And the fans know that. The fans are chanting Bobby Rude, Bobby Rude. Oh, absolutely. Um, but in the end, Rude hits the glorious DDT on uh, Dolph Ziggler. Baron Corbin runs in and tries to throw Rude out, but Rude actually reverses it and throws Corbin out. Uh, Rude goes for the pin, but uh, Baron Corbin drags him to the outside where... Uh, Corbin hits that uh, that choke slam backbreaker on uh, Bobby Roode. Looked pretty painful. Throws him into the ring and goes to finish him off with a deep six. But out of nowhere, Ziggler pops up and hits Baron Corbin with the zigzag as he's coming down with a deep six with Bobby Roode. And uh, Ziggler capitalizes and gets the pin on Corbin and gets the win. And he's uh, he's your U.S. champion, which. Neither one of us called, by the way. Oh, uh, triple threat match, and we're both wrong? Both wrong. Man, that hurt. Uh, Darren, you said Baron Corbin would retain. I said Bobby Roode would actually get the belt, and I still think he should. Uh, but Ziggler winning actually wasn't mad about, so I, I gotta say. I wasn't say. mad about it, but I was completely blindsided. Well, both of us were. And and so far, I am uh, 0 for 2. Uh, you are 1 and 1. So, for our head-to-head... Head-to-head! Things looking a little rocky for you, and very uh, uh, dismal for me. So, anyway, uh, moving well, on. Well, luckily for you, there's five more matches to go! Yay! And my luck would start to change. There is a fatal four-way for the SmackDown Tag Team titles, as the Usos, who are your champions, take on the New Day the three-man Freebird Rules team of Big E, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods, Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, a.k.a. American Alpha 2, and the team of Rusev and Aiden English. 
English starts out in the ring singing the 12 days of Rusev. And uh, that, that's pretty funny. Pretty good. And the fans are actually pretty into the whole Rusev day. They um, are. Surprisingly over uh, <laughs> that that little bit is. So cool, cool on them and good for Rusev. It's nice to hear actually positive reaction for Aiden English and Rusev. You don't typically hear that uh, in the wrestling world. No. Uh, so the cool thing about this match, by the way, it is a fatal four-way tag match. So there are four tag teams involved, but in the ring, a representative for each tag team is always in the ring. So that that, that was actually very cool. So it was a fatal four-way match, like legit four people in the ring at all times, but also four men on the outside to be tagged. The rule is you can only tag in your teammate. Um, so that, that's interesting, but I, I thought like that had a, that gave the match a lot of go. Like that there was, it was never really much downtime. My only thing was the match was also no DQ. So if there's no disqualification, why adhere to a tag format why at all? Is, yeah, right. Why not? Like I've always said in a no DQ match, why not just stab your opponent in the face with a knife <laughs> and kill them and pin them? Probably because it's illegal. But you I was about to say, you might win the match, you will, however, then be locked away. But you get what I'm saying, but, you know, while, while everyone's in the ring wrestling and your your opponent's tag team mates are on the, the, you know, the outside rope waiting to be tagged in, your other guy can go out and get a chair and just start beating everyone else who's on the outside waiting to get tagged in and then slide in and start hitting people with chairs. And, Too anyway, true. Against Too hashtag true. if wrestling were real, that's usually your war cry. This is mine for no DQ. It's like, if it's no DQ... Don't decide to cheat at the end. Cheat in the beginning. <laughs> That's me, though. Because why not? Why not? I have to say, I really want to like Gable and Benjamin together, but they're just so sadly American Alpha 2. <laughs> uh, it's weird and distracting. I know. Because I'm looking at them and I'm like, you know, that's American Alpha only that's not American Alpha. Yeah. And uh, also, I mean, hell, we're all getting older. You know, nobody, nobody's getting younger. But Shelton Benjamin uh, on this... Benjamin Button is. <laughs> Shelton Benjamin not, might not be, but Benjamin Button not, is. Shelton Benjamin is not, he, not to be confused with Shelton Benjamin Button. But <laughs> Shelton Benjamin is starting to look like Shelton Benjamin's dad. Ooh. And, uh, you know, that's fine. He's still got a great build and he can wrestle... Like hell, but... Oh, he's still great. He but, pulls off that, that top rope move he hits on somebody, and it was just like, oh my god! Oh, yeah, he threw off one of the Usos oh, off the yeah, top yeah. rope. And I was like, oh my god, for real. That's what I said, yeah. That's exactly, we, we kind of said it at the same time. I there was, I mean, it was a very fun match. Like I said, there's always people in the ring, there's always stuff going on. It gets to the point where basically they break off and... Two people fight while the other two people fight on the other side of the ring, you know, and it's kind of like an understood, like, Big E and, and whichever Uso won't fight each other, they're like, okay, we'll take care of our own opponent, and then we'll talk about it later, you know, kind of a thing, which is always kind of interesting. Um, the One of the really cool spots is uh, when Gable hits the rolling German suplex on Big yes. E. He hits it on several people, but impressively, he hits it on Big E, where basically... It is a full roll backwards, and then the German suplex. That's just insane. Oh, yeah. Insane amount of uh, athleticism and strength uh, to pull that off. Um, but in the end, the Usos team up on Gable, and they overpower him, and they pin him, and they retain those belts, and I said they would. And you also said they would. So, hey, on that one, we got it right. 
Fatal 4-Way, and we, we both called it right. So to go from that triple threat match, we both called it wrong, even though we had multiple chances to... to we, we, you, you said red, and I said black, and it landed on the fucking double-zero green. <laughs> um, on this one, we actually, we actually did get it right. You are right about that. Next, we've got the SmackDown women's title on the line. This is a lumberjack match between the champion, Charlotte Flair, and the challenger... Natalia Neidhart. This is a solid match with excellent lumberjack work. Oh, or yeah. lumber jills, however you want to refer to them. Lumber people. Yeah. <laughs> the lumber folks. Lumber organisms. Lumber folks sounds like a like a lumber yard or something like that. The uh, the riot squad are said by the announce team to look like jackals, and they really did. Like that term gets thrown around sometimes, but they look literally like jackals. They they were all at one point. They were all jackals beating up on poor Charlotte because everyone, every time Charlotte's thrown off the outside, every woman out there, every lumberjack, every lumber Jill, every jackal beating up on poor Charlotte. Um, it's kind of interesting because it's it's the riot squad working with the other women to to take out Charlotte, and it's kind of like why at that point? I don't know. There there, there, there should have been. Push and pull. Except for Naomi, of course. Naomi is with Charlotte, and she helps out a lot. And she gets that really, really cool spot where she uh, she comes... I think she, that was a springboard or not, but she comes out of the ring and splashes on top of everyone on the outside. It was a really good spot. Yeah, and Charlotte does uh, one of those herself. She hits her famous moonsault off oh, of yeah. the top rope to the outside, crash landing on all of the women. And... Uh, she actually manages to get the figure eight on Natalia for the win. Yeah, she does. And Natalia afterward, a crying Natalia, defeated by Charlotte Flair, says, I'm turning my back on you. The WWE Universe. And uh, it was one of those moments. It's one of those moments that we seem to get every pay-per-view now where someone potentially retires. Only they don't. Only they don't. I don't think any of them have. No. And Natalia certainly isn't going to be... The first. This is like the WWE games where it's like story mode and like every every match like <laughs> this little story element pops in kind of a thing. <laughs> yes. Just take my word for that, folks. Um, so, the, good match and uh, hopefully the last one we see between Natalia and Charlotte for a while because I'd love to see Charlotte fight someone new at this point. Would love to see more of her and Ruby Wright. Oh, if it's not next, it's coming. Oh, yeah, definitely. It is coming down the pipes, and Charlotte Flair, Ruby Riot feuding for a decent amount of time. That's super exciting. It should be very cool. We uh, both picked Charlotte, so we were both right. Hey, hey, see what it's getting better. It's getting better all the time. Better, better, better. Um, that's a song, folks. Uh, after that is the match that should not be. The Fashion Police, <laughs> Brazongo. Uh, of course, uh, Tyler Breeze and Fandango take on the Bludgeon Brothers, a.k.a. Uh, Rowan and Harper. And uh, we can call this a match because there was a bell that rang and then a bell that rang when it was over with. Uh, but it was uh, it was just a squash, basically. Yeah, I my first note was hashtag yikes. Yeah, yeah. This is a total squash match. Basically, this was just to make the Bludgeon Brothers look good. And it, it, it does. They come in and they, they, they do a lot of uh, horrible things to uh, this poor team. In fact, the Harper hits an assisted, with the help of Rowan, assisted sit-down powerbomb with Fondango, which looks really uh, gnarly. 
Uh, and the end, of course, their finisher is the I have crucifixion slam. Because that's what it looks like. They both grab an arm exactly. and hoist them up, and your opponent basically is, you know, crucified, more or less. And then they just slam me down to the pavement, and that's it. I just have a citizen sit-down powerbomb on Fondongo, crucifixion slam, squash. And that's what that fucking match was. It was. That's exactly what it was. And we knew it, yeah. and we both picked the Bludgeon Brothers to win. Yeah. So we are correct they don't, again. They don't call us the best in the world at nothing for nothing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the best in the world at nothing for nothing. Wait, Wait a minute. They, 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 they don't call us that. That's less true. That's a lot less true. Uh, but what is true is the next match has an absurd amount of referees. That is the tag match. Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura, they take on Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And if Owens is and Zayn lose, they lose their jobs at WWE um, and to make things even more confusing, this match has not one but two referees, and neither one are official referees, they're both non-referees. Shane McMahon, of course, and Daniel Bryan. Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan are your special guest referees in their dueling zebra outfits. Yes. And, uh, the, the big stipulation here is if Owens and Zayn lose, they're fired from WWE. Mm-hmm. Not fired from SmackDown. <laughs> not demoted to NXT, they're fired. The only person that that actually happened to, where they said, you guys wrestle, one of you will leave forever, was when Booker T fought Buff Bagwell on Raw. After uh, after after the acquisition no! of uh, WCW, because that legit happened. They literally threw Buff Bagwell out of the arena. And for the only time in my life, I actually felt sorry for Buff Bagwell. Well, he's... <laughs> He's not a real uh, pitiable individual. A little, a little too arrogant. A little arrogant. To, to, to invoke a lot of uh, pity from anyone. Um, all right, some interesting things I noticed here. Well, it's terrible. There are two referees. That we have. It's terrible <laughs> that we have to go from Nakamura's music and entrance to Randy's oh horse, my God. horses in my shed music. Everyone is doing the, the whoa, whoa part, and then all of a sudden, oh. And I told you when we watched it, the, the three musics I hate the most, Randy Orton, The Miz, and Dolph Ziggler. And thank God Dolph Ziggler doesn't come out of music anymore, so that's very nice. Orton with the hair. What's up with that? Orton's got hair. A full he head looks, of hair. He looks like an 18-year-old boy. Um, which probably why he shaved it in the first place, because he was like, I look like a young boy. Now he's getting older, so he's like, I need to look like a young boy again. Right, yeah. Uh, as far as the wrestling, Nakamura and Kevin Owens were awesome against one another. Yeah. I, like, way, way fucking good. Like, especially, like, when Nakamura gets the upper hand... And his, like, his kicks and his knees. His volley of kicks and strikes and knees. Oh, shit, that he does on Kevin Owens. It's great. Yeah. Uh, also, Zane's heel work is outstanding. Mm -hmm. Like, not just when he's talking. Every movement that he makes. He's selling differently with his legs, with his steps. He's certainly selling differently with, like, his body language. And then his word choice, his facial features... Sami Zayn has completed this turn, a hundred percent. I'll be. It'll be weird again when he's uh, like a goody two shoes. Well, you know he's having fun with the heel turn because he can actually have fun with it instead of being the whiny baby face that he was for such a long time. 
Uh, but I mean, it's this match is is decent. It's good because all these people are competent wrestlers. Even Orton, I'm not a huge fan of, but he he knows how to work a match. Um, but it's not something you haven't seen a thousand times before on like SmackDown lately. So there's not a lot special with this match except for the fact those two referees, and of course that becomes a thing where they're arguing about you know who's who's making the count or you know what's going on. And oh yeah, and Dana Bryan's there to make sure uh, Shane McMahon doesn't screw over. Owens and, and Zayn because Shane McMahon wants them out of the company. Yeah, but Daniel doesn't want them to do anything crazy. Which is just kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, but uh, the match, of course, gets to the point where the heels have to take out the faces, man. So they uh, bring Nakamura to the outside and they uh, put him on an announcer table. And Kevin Owens hits Nakamura with a frog splash from one, to one announce table to the other. He jumps... And uh, that takes Nakamura out for, like, the entire last ten minutes of the match. Um, probably five, but it seemed like forever. When they get back in the ring, and Orton hits the RKO on Sami Zayn. Uh, Shane counts, but Brian, Daniel Bryan falls on Shane, uh, breaking up the count. And uh, they argue for a while about this. And the uh, biggest fight of all erupts here, with Dan- the, the fight between Daniel Bryan and, I guess, his microphone pack, or... His earpiece, like, he had something tucked in the back of his pants. Then had a wire running to it. Then he moved it to his pocket. Then it fell out, and it was just like, oh my god. That actually happened to Shane McMahon earlier in the match. I noticed his his, oh, yeah. his uh, battery pack for, I guess, his earpiece fell out of his back pocket. And then he, when he realized it was dangling, he tried to grab it, and the uh, the battery part fell out of the little, like, audio port. And then he just, like, didn't know what to do with it, so he kind of just... Tucked it away into his, his uh, pocket. So I guess it happened. I didn't notice it happened to Daniel Bryan Yeah, also. Daniel Bryan was trying to keep fidgeting with getting it back in the back of his pants. Finally, he's like, screw it. Picks it up off the mat. Puts it in his front pants pocket. It's just a mess. So what happens when your referee shirt becomes untucked. Now you guys will give the refs a bit more credit in the WWE locker room, I imagine. Um, so Zayn and Orton have a roll-up contest, in which case the... Uh, you know, if if Orton is pinned, then then Shane comes down for a three count, or rather a two count every time, and then Zayn reverses it on Orton, pins Orton. So of course, Dan O'Brien jumps in and does a two count, and they keep alternating for a little while. Uh, more arguing between Shane and Daniel Bryan. Zayn rolls up Orton one last time. Shane comes down for the count, counts to two, does not hit a three count. And Daniel Bryan gets really pissed off, and they argue some more. And then Zayn rolls up Orton really quick, and Daniel Bryan does a fast three count. And that's how the match ends, with Owens and Zayn keeping their jobs at uh, WWE. So, uh, not a shocker, we both said that Zayn and Owens would win. Oh, no, we didn't! Only I did. Only I said Owens and Zayn would win. You said Orton and Nakamura would win, you dummy. Yeah, again... Not because I thought they were going to fire Owens and Zayn. You thought just some cool thing would come out of it. I did. Then you forgot you were talking about the WWE. I did. Where cool things don't come out of this place. They don't. <laughs> oh, they do sometimes. But in this case, they were just like, that's nah, we got nothing for that. So I will say that the, the heat on uh, the interactions between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon were legitimate. They were good. That they, crowd they were cool. was on fire for that. Feud. Yeah. Like they are on fire for Daniel Bryan. And if Daniel Bryan is going to make a return to the wrestling ring, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. And this match kind of showed it. I mean, he didn't do anything crazy. He's a referee. But the ease of his movements. 
He didn't seem to be thinking too much or doubting himself. He was very sure of foot, and he was not being particularly cautious, meaning overly cautious, but he was taking risks that you know had to be calculated, and they were just enough that a man who's crippled for life is not going to be doing. Right. So he did just enough, I think, that uh, it showed a little bit. This will be maybe the first time. When, you know, 10 years from now we look back, this will be the first one like, oh, look at Daniel. He was getting ready. Right, right. He could have been in the Rumble, but he's the general manager, you know. Who's to say that he won't be in the Rumble? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But anyway, that uh, good match. Sorry that I lost with my pick. And uh, But but with that match, we are now tied. We are now tied. We both both lost one together, the triple threat match, but... uh, I got Mojo versus right or wrong. You got it right. This one I get right. You got wrong. So we're tied up at this point going into that main event for that WWE title. AJ Styles, your champion. The face that runs the place. The phenomenal one. Taking on Jinder Mahal, the modern day Maharaja. Um, very good. Very good. Very. R rolling. Oh, thank you very much. I was going to say this is a very good match. This yeah, actually, but also your R rolling. Thank you. More, more about that. This is the best wrestling match I think Gender's had. Um, wow. That's. It, it's, it's a very solid match. He shines throughout. AJ sells really well for him. And I, it, going online and, and, you know, looking at, uh, like, oh, this happened, you know, little videos they put on WWE's Facebook page and, you can usually read the the comments, and it's usually people just upset that gender exists. But I mean, <laughs> it's it's eighty percent positive. Like gender actually impressed me this time. Like gender looked actually really good in this match. Like it's it's all positive. Because even they were like, this is actually a really good match of genders, and it made him more of a credible champion, I, I think. And because the the scenes weren't going to be involved, but they got involved anyway. Um, but still, it, it it was really good. The only uh, what the the criticism I have for gender is don't wear. Uh, 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 flesh-toned uh, ring gear because you look you look naked. Um, Fair enough, but I like it. I no, like it's, it's cool all looking. Of his gear. I know it's cool looking, but I'm sure people who sat like in the <laughs> in the nosebleeds were like, "Is Jinder Mahal naked?" No, that's a that's a fair assessment. But I am a big fan not only of Jinder Mahal and his push and his world title run. I am impressed with his aesthetic. Not just his amazing build, which may or may not be controversial. Uh, not just the cool, <laughs> not just the cool hair, not just the awesome suits and the turban, but even just down to the ring gear. His use of brown and turquoise and orange and kind of like a a palm green. These are unique looking wrestling outfits, like. He's a unique guy, and the unique look going along with it goes a very, very long way with me because I'm extremely fixated on aesthetics. And oh, the, I'm aware. And, and for for uh, the modern day Maharaja to embrace everything about his sort his ethnic identity and his uh, you know Indian culture and heritage shines through with the with the extreme colors the earth tones that are then accented by extreme you know uh bits of the rainbow right so i i I like it i like it a lot it's very different than just like boy i got my black leather trunks or you know i got my (laughs) black underpants no one wrestles in black leather trunks 
<laughs> well, oh, my, that, black, my, black, yeah. my black pleather gears. I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. But no, no, it's, it, it is a very solid match, uh, and, and both wrestles look really good in this match. Because uh, AJ finishes strong. And AJ can't help but look good. AJ can't help but look good. Because um, eventually AJ goes for the pin on Gender, but the Scene Brothers, they grab Gender's legs, try to pull him out of the ring. AJ grabs his arms, so it's kind of a tug-of-war with uh, Gender Mahal, trying to pull him out, trying to keep him in. Um it's a tug of gender. It is a tug of gender. Uh, AJ takes out the Singh brothers and gets back in the ring only to receive that Cobra Clutch Slam. And you think like, oh, this is the thing that's been done a thousand times before. But AJ kicks out of the Cobra Clutch Slam. Wow. Uh, which doesn't happen very often. Um, gender picks up AJ and teases that he may be going for a Styles Clash on AJ. Does the, the fingers out. Yeah. The call for the Styles Clash, but AJ reverses it into the Calf Crusher, and uh, it takes some doing, but Gender taps the Calf Crusher. That's all she wrote. That is all she wrote. He taps to the Calf Crusher, and uh, wow, not a great uh, not a great week for Gender. Yeah, man. Gender was on, hindered. He was straight up hindered. Yeah, man. Uh, doing, the, doing the favors here uh, and falling to... Uh, AJ Styles failed to recapture his title, and then in India, taking the fall to the boss in India and losing to Triple H uh, over in India. You know, of course, uh, we know that Jinder Mahal is uh, ethnically Indian, mm-hmm. East Indian. Uh, how, however, he's Canadian, mm-hmm. born and raised in Canada. Most of his professional career has been in the United States. Nevertheless. No reason to split hairs. He's an Indian. He's a proud Indian. And uh, from what we saw was uh, very, very well received and very and quite lauded during WWE's brief uh, few days in India. The downside of that being, in my opinion, only his loss to Triple H. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, with that and the loss to AJ here, it seems like uh, some unwelcome just desserts. But... Uh, but who's to say what is and isn't uh, truly okay to, to befall someone like this? Because he did have a very, very successful run on top, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, so. A lot of people think the fact that he's not still on top is indicative that it was not a success. But I, I disagree. No, his success uh, would have been much shorter lived. If it were just like, a, well, we're going to India, so gender should probably champion for a bit to look good. Right. Um, I think he was And it actually, was not that. And it may have been that at the beginning, but then it became like, you know, gender Mahal being a champ is actually pretty good. Of course, the collateral damage of that for me is it made Shinsuke Nakamura look very bad for a little yeah, while. Yeah. Had that been anyone else enduring the, the gender Mahal, um, you know, title reign and, and, and losing to gender Mahal... It would have been fine. There's plenty of people you could have picked to do that. It did not need to be Shinsuke, though. Uh, but anyway, beyond that, Gender, I thought, was a very cool champ. Hopefully, this is the last we see between Gender and AJ. It's time for fresh opponents for both of them. Um, and uh, we'll see uh, who's who's coming down the pike. And we all know for AJ, it'll be Shinsuke, because that's what I want. And that's all for Clash of Champions WWE. You did it again. And by that, I mean you had another... Network exclusive. More to come. As for us, 
We were correct in both picking AJ to win this match. Hey. So we both finished this head-to-head. Head-to-head. With a record of five and two. Ah. We tie each other. Our our losses, uh, our, our L column here, don't, don't jive. We didn't make the same wrong decisions. But mathematically, we tie. Right. Five correct choices to two incorrect choices each. Wait. So congratulations to you, Perry, my great and worthy opponent. I wish I could say the same to you. And I will. <laughs> now, on oh, the, air. The, the look, the look on your Do face. It. So good. Uh, you're my great and worthy opponent, Captain Hook. I'm Peter Pan. Nope. You're I'm, Captain I'm Hook. Peter Pan. I just said I'm Peter Pan. I called it first. I guess I do have a curly mustache. You have a curly mustache. Damn it. And you don't want to be Captain Curly Mustache. That's fine. Um, though you do have a Peter Pan compliment. Oh, man. But see, that's the thing, right? Like, that's the whole thing is Peter Pan, Captain Hook. They're kind of one and the same. Right. So really, oh, it's the internal struggle, They're different, but they're the same. Just like the hype bros, Darren. It's the same thing. Mojo. Mojo and, and, and Zack Ryder, you guys are the same. Anyway, that, that's my point I'm trying to make. So, folks, that's it for WWE. We're going to leave behind the world of quote-unquote professional wrestling and uh, turn our gaze to the indies. Because Fest Wrestling, one of, if not the hottest indie organization there is right now, uh, they had themselves a good weekend. Now, last episode, we talked about Brawl by the Beach in St. Augustine, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but it's it's hard to beat Fest Wrestling at the home that is Gainesville, Florida. That is eight seconds uh, where we saw Pickle in the Tree 2. And uh, while we were there, we actually got to talk with some very cool people, some very talented individuals. The Ugly Ducklings, Derek. Quack. That's right. Quack. You might hear a couple quacks on this interview, but uh, absolutely, Darren and I got to sit down with Rob Killjoy, Lance Lude, and Coach Mikey. You know, a lot of times people might say of the whole reference show, you might hear a couple of quacks on this Whoa, episode. <laughs> nice. Very nice. So, uh, yeah, we got to talk with the Ducklings, and here's what went down. Ladies and gentlemen, Whole Ref and Show here, Perry Smith, Darren Beasley, and we are at Fest Wrestling Pickle in the Tree 2, the sequel. That means that we are at 8 Seconds Saloon in Gainesville, Florida, not at Curia on the Drag like we were last year. Yes, that is true. But so we're indoors, it's cold, it's December, it's time for getting pickles out of trees, it's near Christmas, yeah. and we're indoors at the Country Western Bar where all the punk rockers make wrestling for everyone. <laughs> this is ground zero for tonight's Pickle in the Tree. The, the ring crew is currently getting the ring together. Luckily, we were able to wrangle the hottest tag team on the indie circuit these days. You hear them, folks. The Ugly Ducklings. Quack, quack. Yes. <laughs> well, as he said, we are the Ugly Ducklings. I'm Rob Killjoy. I'm Lance Lude. I'm Coach Mikey. And we are... The Ugly Ducklings! Awesome. Oh, Holy man. shit, 
that I was just about to ask you, Perry, why the hell are we still talking? When, when <laughs> we'll take it from here. Yeah, you guys, yeah, we're going to get some drinks. You guys we appreciate you guys being guests on our show. <laughs> <laughs> thank nice. you, thank you. Anytime, man. We'd love to be on you guys' show. Well, hey, take time. it easy. You need to spread the love. We can't have you on all the time. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, fair greedy. enough. So you guys have got your work cut out for you tonight. It is a triple threat tag team match between Tech yourselves, obviously, and the Gymnasty Boys. Now, what's the strategy going in tonight? Well, the same strategy we always employ when it comes to the Gymnasty Boys. We're going to hit them and kick them in the face a lot. Hell yeah, very nice. I like that. And we already got one of on Tech from last night in St. Augustine. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's, 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 we, have, we already have this feud going on with the, with the Gymnasty Boys, and they came out last night and beat us down with shoes and... <laughs> yeah. now, now, see, I'm going to have to disagree with Lance Lude there. If you know this, sometimes we're going to disagree. But um, I don't hi. think we're involved in a feud with the Gymnasty Boys. I think we finished them off with the Duck House Brawl last time here at 8 Seconds. However, however, they wanted to stick their nose in our business again. They wanted to try to... They want to help us pay our bills because we're ducks. You get it. But that's fine. We have no problem beating them up again. Tell them, Coach Mikey. I have been up all night with my clipboard, and I've been going over play after play after play after play. Then I took a large dump, and then after play and after play. And I sat there, and I looked at it, and all it was was scribble, and I thought to myself, why don't we just do what we always do and beat the duck out of them? And that's what we're going to do. Duck them up. I've got my hands on all of them, so, I mean... Any, anything anything can happen. You see these hands? hands? Look at those mitts. Those are very large hands, folks. I can go ahead and tell you right now. Those they're, are very large they're hands. They're catcher's mitts. <laughs> I thought you said you were going to do what you always did and scribble. But, scribble? Uh, but no, okay. No. I will, yeah, scribbling does happen uh, quite a lot. But <laughs> they don't understand the place half the time. I have to explain it in a little uh, quack. A, a, a quack form. <laughs> so, so last night... Uh, in St. Augustine, that brawl by the beach, it was tech. It's, you thought it was only going to be tech. And they say that they're three equally charming heterosexuals. There were only two of them last there's night. There's only so two but, 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 So they do math, too, so there's that. But, but, but the T still works, though, because two equally charming heterosexuals. That does. Oh, we had to work that out of the show. I was ourselves. pretty bummed out when they walked through the curtain, and I didn't see that weasel coming out, because I love beating him up. It's I, so much fun. You, you want someone to, to pick on and beat up on? I mean, you want a, a manager to go manager to manager someone with? someone who deserves it. Uh, ooh. Such as shit-talking Jim Sherbert. Right? Which one's the shit-talker here? Is it Sherbert? Jim Sherbert? <laughs> Sherbert? Jim Sherbert. Are, are, you, are you delicious or are you exotic? We, we want to know. On the I, I, I think it could be a little call A, a little call B. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can have both. <laughs> so you have Tech tonight. You also have Gymnasty Boys who interfered in a match with Tech. Last night at Brawl by the Beach. Um, but yeah, let's go. Let's go back to that Duck House brawl that you mentioned that happened at Fest Wrestling. We are family. That was some intense, hardcore I shit. Mean, you saw we put on our best pair of jeggings. We wore new hats on the outside. We wore our yeah, I got my white boots. Oh, those white boots mean babyface. Nice. So we got the bandanas. We got the the two tight shirts. I borrowed one from old Lance Lude over there. Nice. He really did. That's yeah. a true story. And uh, <laughs> you know, we had some uh, ducks on baseball bats. We had the thumb quacks. Oh, yeah. Uh, all sorts of stuff. We put them through a door, chairs, actual thumbtacks. Yeah, I mean, what did it have? It had, think of all the wrestling you saw at We Are Family and what stands out to you. 
they gave you everything. They, they, the Dunkhouse abs- Brawl. You absolutely did. And you, you guys, I mean, Quack. besides the fact that you guys are very talented wrestlers and you're, you're, you're one of the loudest, most Quack. charismatic managers I've ever seen. Uh, oh. He's not manager, he's oh. our coach. Oh, well, there coach, we go. coach. Managing a coach who manages, manages to uh, keep you guys uh, going in your matches. Player he's, he's coach. Coach Are you a that, player? He's actually a coach that captains. Okay, there you go. That's one way to say Sometimes. it. Sometimes. Swipe right. Yeah. <laughs> coach Mikey, he's not a player. He just crushes a lot. Absolutely. I do. I have a lot of crushes. Uh, there's so many. There's so many pretty, pretty women at Fest Wrestling, and <laughs> I just like they're all like that. They're, they're he, he also has women. very low standards. Not to take away from the come on here, Fest Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how that's to be so pretty. I'm right. just saying, like you know, we we never know exactly. All but he's women assuming. are pretty. Right, yeah, right. I have to be older. So absolutely, you, you guys, you guys have got the winning formula. The winning formula of the two of you guys, Lance Lude, Rob Killjoy, you guys are phenomenal wrestlers. Coach Mikey, who does it better than Coach Mikey? But that Duck House brawl was just serious and dark because there's there's a lot of comedy in your matches. And and I think when we first saw you guys, when you guys first hit the pond here at Fest Wrestling, it made was a splash. A, you made a splash. It was yeah. a Fest Wrestling Bring Your Mom. It was a, a fatal four way tag match. You guys, Tech. Team Lucha and Roscoe Eat Lisa, and we were just blown away because you guys came out and it was like, okay, they're they're wacky and crazy. I get it, but can they wrestle? Oh, can they wrestle? Oh my God! And ever since you we guys can. have been spoiler alert, Don Jardine <laughs> alert. Spoiler. Don't don't tell them. They have to find out for themselves. They have to yeah. pay for it. Yeah. Um, but no, ever since then we've been huge fans of you guys. And man, you guys just do it all. But we're big fans of you guys. No. You're talking about winning formulas. I think that the whole ref and show has a winning formula right now with the ugly ducklings as its guest. Absolutely. Uh, I, say, I don't know if you guys count ratings, but this is gonna be your highest rated show. I'm sure. <laughs> it, oh, this definitely is. Two plus three equals one hundred. Absolutely. I, I, I think you uh, math checks out. I uh, <laughs> kind of fessed up and I put them over before they started. And I said, ah. And I told them, I said, hey, we listen to you guys pretty much every time we're on the road. We're like, did they like us? Did they like us this one? Did they like us? And so far, we're on a winning streak with you guys. So I think this is a match made in heaven. Well, we, we typically, I mean, we go out of our way to put over people who have been on the show, but we put you guys over. Before, way before you guys were on the show, so that really made you anticipate. This, that's right, that's yeah. right. But also, we had to we had to make sure you guys would, would do the show. Uh, <laughs> but no, the talent. Not what would happen? Well, okay. So, so we first discovered you guys at Fest Wrestling, but you obviously have faced Tech many times before. You've obviously clearly had that history with Gymnasty Boys before Fest Wrestling. So, where else have we seen the dust? I hate them all. Oh, yeah. Man. What the hell is their problem? Well, Tech, Tech are. Our little, uh, I guess you could call it, rivalry with Tech. It's been based pretty much in Florida. It's only taken place in Florida. We've done it at Ignite. We've done it at Fest. We've done it at a few different places. The Gymnasty Boys, however, you know, they, they've been a, a thorn in our sides, in our uh, web feet, if you will. <laughs> and they just won't stop following us around. They're just not tired of getting beat up by the Ducks. So they keep following us around. They keep challenging us. doesn't matter if it's North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, uh, Florida, Virginia, West Virginia, uh, East Virginia. Yes, Mid Virginia. Montana. Neptune. Neptune. Wherever. Wherever. Barnyard somewhere in the middle of Florida. We will fight them till the day we die. Blood feud. Hashtag forever. 
fight forever. Fight we'll forever. fight him till we die. Hashtag fight forever. And so far, it looks like that might be happening. because, And I never get tired of seeing it, by the way. It's a great match every single time. So. Well, but my hands start to hurt after hitting him so much, but I just got to find more creative <laughs> ways to get violent with him. But that's okay. He keeps me on my toes. Right, right. On, right. on your webbed feet. Your webbed All right, toes. I've, got a, I've got a question. He gets we are sitting only a, a mere five, ten feet away from a pretty infamous best wrestling balcony. We saw you gentlemen on the receiving end of a maneuver that came over this balcony, crashing to the floor below. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And? And? How did that feel? We won that match. Yes, you did. How did it feel when Team Lou felt good? I felt good when we were like, we won! Victorious! (laughs) I will say say this much. Uh, 99% of the time when someone's diving on a crowd of people, they aim for the largest one. And uh, I'm like, I guess I think John Cruz described me one time as a giant pillow. Oh. So, of course, it hurts me. I say Michelin Man. But when he lands on me, he's safe. So I guess it's 100% him delivering the pain and him just walking away with no problems. <laughs> Gi- giant pillow, that's what they used to call me in high school. Stay pumped. I love Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we stood here with the rest of the Fest uh, wrestling family, and we watched that match, and we... We saw tag team wrestling really go to that next level for Fest Wrestling. We want to see Fest Wrestling Tag Team yeah. Championships. And so do we. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad does Fest Wrestling need tag team championship belts? 12 and a half. 12 and a half. 37. 37. Every His, Every number, his number is much higher. Much higher number. Uh, yeah, I think I can't so. Count. And I think you guys... Absolutely, uh, have a shot at those championships. Well, I whatever they materialize. I definitely agree with that. I mean, we need. I mean, Fest Wrestling kind of needs tag titles because if you know the Ugly Ducklies, you know our quest is about all the grilled cheeses. We're here to collect all the grilled cheeses. So oh. if you got tag titles? We want them. You got tag titles? Book us. We will win them, and then you will have to book us again. And we're not so cheap the second time. <laughs> That's smart. That's Especially smart. if you wanted to bring the gold of with course. them. Yeah, we, we got, got, bring we got the grilled gold. cheeses. I mean, that's that's pretty We're much. Ultimate Warrior Summer Sale '91. That's. I mean, that's how we were. I think uh, Fest Wrestling was a a big opportunity for us. So I was coming huge. in like, they it's huge. And uh, I I come from the punk hardcore scene and just be like, we have to be here. And then when the moment we walked over. What's the classic rock Christmas music? And we love Christmas music. He does. But just this was a big opportunity for us, and I think the tag team titles would really put the cherry on top of how hard we work here and how hard that we tried to bring these people into our little duck pond. So we know it, the fans know it, you guys know it, everybody in the back knows it. We just need a couple of titles to prove it to anybody on the first look, so they don't have to sit through a match. They can immediately see just give it to these you guys. guys are yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the three of you are definitely a winning uh, combination. How, how did the three of you actually get together? Tell them, Mikey. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> they all they look like. Uh, like you know. <laughs> well, I uh, was on details. Uh, well, I was uh, coached down on my luck. I I failed at a hockey team, a football team, baseball, the whole the whole thing. I have a little sauce. Drinks the sauce. Yeah, drinking sauce. Yeah, really taking over the top. The bowling team. 
But I'm uh, walking down the street and I'm looking at this pond and I see these two ducks. Have you ever seen the commercial with the duck with the oil on them? Yeah, and yeah. Like, oh, it's terrible. Absolutely. But this oil was like bright That's green, like an ooze of some sort. So I pull them out of here and I wipe them down and I realize it's like, uh oh, this ain't just oil. And all of a sudden, these ducks transform into these. What you're looking at right now. <laughs> and I tell him, what are you guys doing? What do you want to do? I don't understand. And they're just like, we need you as we a coach. We want to fly. And we, we want to fly. fly. And we want to wrestle. So I said, all right, let's do it. And I threw him in my car, and we I, haven't been home in two and a half years. So Wow. I, I haven't slept since 1992. Yeah. <laughs> there it is, right? There. It's a good and, thing you guys get along so well. I have slept the entire time they haven't. Very true. I've seen pictures on Twitter of you guys sleeping, Coach Mikey taking the wheel. Yeah. It's and there's there's I think they're they're here. Okay, I'll put you over. Okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> the the line goes down. So Lance sleeps probably the most. Me, I sleep second. And then Rob, Rob will usually he'll look at me and say, "I'll take the whole way there on the way back. I'm gonna need you." So usually, like Rob will be like, "Mike, go to sleep," and I'm like a dog. Because Rob knows, he knows I will sleep anywhere at any time. You tell me, Mike, go to sleep. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going down. <laughs> so we have a we have yeah, a, like literally a system. gotten the shows and lay down on the floor and went to sleep. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> Aww. You guys have like a stack of newspapers for uh, for Mike. I was under, I was under the merch table. <laughs> I was under the merch table sleeping on my bag, just like. Aww. Which, by the way, the the ducks have some really great merch. The best black, merch. Black. And, by, and by the way, if you if you spill any beer on the merch. Do the right thing. <laughs> Do the right thing and just buy it, man. I buy it. Then, and then make it an even number by buying something else. By buying something else. I hate to break your heart, bucks. but all of those pictures got ruined that day. I, I thought of that. I was like, damn it, it rained anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. Absolutely wanted to, to contribute to the cause. You oh, guys thank you, thank hard. you. I'll, I'll throw out a plug real quick. We have the best t-shirt size again. We've got Boondock Saints. We've got, we've got the Care Ducks. We've got uh, Coach Mikey Duck Detective. We've got multiple others. Love Check them out. Find us on uh, the Ugly yeah. Ducklings on Facebook or at Three Mother Duckers on Twitter and Instagram. We've got ducks for three bucks, ducks for one buck, ducks for five bucks, ducks for ten bucks. You got ducks? You like ducks? We got ducks. We got a video game, a legitimate video game starring the Ugly Ducklings. All sorts of stuff. So you got duck needs? We got bills to pay. Again, ducks. Come help us out. Come buy our gimmick table. Buy some merchandise. Buy a t shirt. And it supplies while they last. <laughs> Coach Mikey, I see you looking at your watch, but that was really quickly. I like guess it's auctioneer it, it, it level. Is, that is, uh, we, we have a, practice. He's got a bit of carding yeah. in him. We have, we have a joke because he, uh, you missed out on the, my favorite part. You go, we have uh, a lot of bad things happening around this world. Oh, we a lot of bad there. things happening in 2017. We got we, we know hate. it word for word. Hate. <laughs> Lots of bad things happening in 2017. That's Duck right. Our hate. very own video game starring your ugly ducklings. Please tell me that's a real thing. Tell me there's an actual ugly ducklings video. Oh <laughs> yeah. I'm not making it up. It's have amazing. I, I, have I misled you at all during no, this whole no, interview? No. If, if, if Do I, I go, seem like the lying type? If, if, if I go buy a $5 copy of N64 No Mercy and I make all the, the Ugly Ducklings characters, that's just as good, right? Yeah. Nope. Not no, as good? No, Not as good? No, we have our own role-playing it's, game for $10 for PC. <coughs> totally worth it. Wow. Yeah, you, you it's play amazing. us, you go through I've, it. I've it's so how do our hashtag dear listeners find this? Right. Uh, like I said, follow us on Twitter, at Three Mother Duckers. Instagram at Three Mother Duckers, Facebook The Ugly Ducklings. Okay, find us. Like, <laughs> go find where they live, and you you come buy our go go, come buy our merchandise stand. Don't we have gimmicks available. Like, come find us. <laughs> find us. There's a special find knock us. in the duck pod. If Bye. you do the special knock, 
You might come in, have a beer, and we might let you play it a little bit. We also got a deal right now. You buy a T-shirt, $7 <laughs> pictures for like $5. Also, if you figure out how to knock on water, please uh, share that knowledge with us. Because <laughs> yeah, we want to know how to it's get it. It's a splash, 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 splash. <laughs> there it is right there. See, that's it's a good secret knock. It's not a knock at all. You wouldn't know that if you didn't know it. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. We'll, we'll help. A lot of fun having you guys on the show. Thank, Thank you for having me, man. I, I would say best of luck to you Have guys tonight. <laughs> yes. Just <Right>. on. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to hit record. You guys ready? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would say best of luck, but I mean, you guys, you can duck. it's in the bag, right? Best, best, of, best of duck to all you gentlemen. Thank you again. Um, uh, here with, I mean, there's, go ahead. Oh, no, it's like, here with there's, Coach there's, Mikey. Uh, there's one thing that we got to do to end our interview. Oh, please. So, uh, listeners, put your hands in the middle. Well, right over the mic. All right. Quack, 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 quack. Yeah. Whole episode. Quack, quack. Woo. Thanks, Ugly Ducklings. Thank you, guys. Thank you, gentlemen. And once again, we have to say thank you to the Ugly Ducklings, Rob Killjoy, Lance Lude, and Coach Mikey for taking the time out uh, because they had a, a fight to prepare for, man, and they still said, you know what, we're going to do this thing. That thing, that that talk, that little powwow we had, months in the making. Months in the making. There was a lot of months in the making. A lot of months in the making because we were like, we'll do it over the phone, over the phone, uh, everyone's busy, everyone's working, and then it was like, no, we're going to meet up before Pickle 2, and we're going to fucking do this thing, and uh, I'm glad, I'm glad we waited. It was very much worth it just to do the whole thing in person, and I'm glad we did. Hey, you had to hang out at a pond with the ducks? Yeah, man. It was a red felt pond. There were, <laughs> there were six, uh... Little holes, little pockets. Uh, pockets. If we, you will. we converted a pool table into a, a business table. It's true. Uh, but yeah, no, the ducks is something you want to experience in person, folks. All right. Whether you're talking about an interview, a wrestling match, exactly, an entrance. exactly. Their enthusiasm is infectious. Uh, they're great guys and great wrestlers, and happy as hell to have them on the show. They're welcome anytime. And the ducks, we got to see in action that very day. That's right. It was just. Hours, just hours before Pickle in the Tree 2. This was the second night of a two-night fest wrestling extravaganza over the course of Friday and Saturday, the 8th and 9th of December, 2017. This was Pickle in the Tree 2, live Gainesville, Florida at 8 Seconds Saloon. On this night, we knew what our main event would be. It would be a Pickle in the Tree ladder match. It would be the return of that ladder match from last year's Pickle in the Tree show. Only this year, not at Curia on the Drag, on the one-time only venue, but no, at the home of Fest Wrestling at 8 seconds. But who would be in this match? It's, it's funny, real quick, before we get into that. It's very funny how often you mention Curia on the Drag and and Fest literally had an event there once, right? But you're like carry well, on the drag, the carry number... on the drag. But but for us, that's that that was our introduction to Fest Wrestling was Pickle in the Tree one at carry on the drag. So we thought it must always happen here, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Also, I just like saying Curia on the drag. You do quite enjoy saying it. That's yeah. just uh it's just a weird collection of words. <laughs> and as we told, as we told our uh, uh our live audience 
in Gainesville, Florida, when we uh, did our live podcast, uh, where we were lucky enough to have a, a, a litany of uh, special guests, we told them that this podcast, this very podcast, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, this very one was almost a, a linguistics podcast. Right. So, right. you know, sometimes we get hung up on words, but you know what? Words mean things. Right. And, and if, if we had a linguistics podcast, we'd still bitch about the lack of, uh, of, of use that Shinsuke Nakamura gets on SmackDown. Uh, <laughs> I would still be Too talking true. about it. I would still be talking about it. So we do know that the main event of the night will be the Pickle in the Tree match. The last year's Pickle in the Tree match was awesome. Um, we, we know that we, we now have people who are going to be in the match. Caleb Conley... Uh, got that free pass to go to pick on the tree. For some reason. The jury's still out on why he got that. Again, he must have paid off Tony Weinbender, the promoter of Fest Wrestling. But, <laughs> but, you know, all throughout the night on Brawl by the Beach, we had nothing but... Um, Triple threat matches where the winners would go on to be a part of the pickle and tree. So from that, we got some folks to be involved. And, uh, yeah, the, the whole night was actually shaping up because we wouldn't know who else was going to fight who for a while there until we found out... Who was going to go into that main event and who wasn't? It was a difficult show to uh, forecast. It was very difficult to forecast. So. But, you know, sometimes that's okay. Because what that meant was surprise, surprise, surprise. Hey, at, leave them guessing. At, right, exactly. I don't mind I don't mind that. Sometimes it's, it's good. In the world of pro wrestling where we almost always know too much, yeah. it's kind of refreshing to know... Not enough. Absolutely. But before the matches can begin, Tony Weinbender, he's got to find that pickle. He's got to find the pickle to put in the tree. Right. Well, who has the pickle? Well, as far as we know, Sue Young has the pickle. She had the pickle last. She had the pickle last year at, oh, wait, wait for it, Curia on the Drag. Oh, wow. At the home of Fest Wrestling, <laughs> according to Darren Beasley. When the Undead Bride got that pickle out of the tree, won the match on that night, cashes it in immediately, and defeats Heidi Lovelace to become the Fest Wrestling champion. That's what Sue Young did. And I'm guessing when she cashed it in, she didn't hand it in. She flashed it in for currency and then tucked it away amongst her other baubles like headless dolls and uh, Singapore canes, mm -hmm. other disturbing paraphernalia. And I reckon there's a pickle floating around in there, mm -hmm. and Tony Weinbender needs it. Sue never has a lack of props. No. You know, uh, so it's it's safe to assume that she has that prop. Uh, she she had a, a, a bunch of, of a, a sandcastle building uh, toy buckets. That's true, she at, did, uh, the night Bob before. The beach. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, so yeah, so Tony Weinbender is uh, looking around for Sue Young in this this introduction video, which is very cool. Right before the show started, you know, lights dim, mm -hmm. uh, big screen lights up, and we've got an intro to Pickle in the Tree too, right here on the little silver screen at eight seconds, where we see earlier today Tony goes on the hunt looking for it. He runs into the Ugly Ducklings oh. somewhere between. I, I, they had a busy day. Mm -hmm. These dudes had to leave the pond. They had to travel to Gainesville. They were uh, pawing over these cases of PBR tall boys. Mm -hmm. They were sitting down at a pool table to talk to the whole reference show. They were helping out Tony Weinbender. And then they still had to wrestle. 
So quite a uh, quite a, uh, a hard day's night, if you will, for the Ugly Ducklings. Tony doesn't really get a lot of help from the ducks. They're much more preoccupied with this beer. <laughs> so Tony's uh, journey takes him on further in the world uh, behind the curtain of Fest Wrestling. And he encounters the Gym Nasty Boys, Timmy Lou Retton and White Mike. And uh, these fellas are uh, coming up scheming. These guys are scheming on what to, uh, how to take some cash from some folks while simultaneously tricking them into taking shots of bleach. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's delightful. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> these hoodlums doing hoodlum things. They, they really are. And uh, unfortunately for them, it is the two of them that we see take shots of bleach <laughs> and uh, don't convince or trick Tony to do so uh, whatsoever. Uh, White Mike, we know, is terrified of Sue Young, so he's no help at all. And that is when Tony goes looking for and finds Beastly. Beastly comes out of a bathroom full of smoke. Why is it full of smoke? Smoking what are you doing in there? The boys what are you doing in there? <laughs> what was that? Uh, was that Brownville, Brownville Station? Sure. Brownvale Station? All I can think of is the Motley Crue remake. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, which, you know, a lot of people believe is the only version. A lot of people are stupid. They are. A lot of people are stupid, but none of you, dear listeners. I'd say, unless any of you out there think that's accurate, then you are not stupid. <laughs> so Beastly comes out of a smoking toilet and uh, offers Tony a, a, a piggyback ride uh, in pursuit of Sue Young. Which is a very nice visual to see, by the way. It is. Tony looking like a million bucks in his Santa man suit mm -hmm. with his Santa hat. Of course. And uh, eventually they find their way to Lucy's. Lucy's Bar, downtown Gainesville. And it is there that Sue Young is having some drinks. Mm -hmm. uh, turns out she's drinking pickle juice. So nothing to, to intoxicate the young lady. Mm -hmm. But uh, Tony is able to make a deal with her. We don't know what the deal is. He whispers something into her ear. Uh, right, she won't give up the pickle. No. But she gives it up for whatever Tony whispers to her. Right. So some deal is struck... Everybody heads back two eight seconds, and Pickle in the Tree 2 is underway. That's right. Now, Tony Weinbender, the uh, the owner and uh, uh, the, the, the giver of Fest Wrestling, uh, it, it's usually you hear from Tony at the beginning of the show. He sets everything up, welcomes everyone, maybe mentions a couple matches. So it's cool that Tony gets involved in this video. So now Tony's become a character in Fest Wrestling. Right. Which I really like. I think, uh, and by the way, the, the production quality of that video was, oh my was, God. was great. Um, yeah. So kudos to the production team of, of, of that. You need more of that. You need more, more of, of that. More of that, for sure. Tony needs to always be a character um, and not just like the guy that says, hey, everybody. Right. It's a fleshing out of the universe. Right. And now Tony is a character. Absolutely. And, and is well, own well, first of all, Tony is a Tony character. Tony is quite a character. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm saying, but basically I'm just saying thumbs up. All that was great. All that needed to happen. All that gives you a quick story of, of, of the night. And uh, that's it. Pickle the Tree 2 begins. And we have the folks who are going to be in that Pickle in the Tree main event. Our last qualifying match. All but one, which is this qualifying match. Another triple threat match. The final triple threat match uh, for that final coveted spot in the Pickle in the Tree match. It is a match between Saeed Al-Sabah taking on Arya Blake and CJ O'Doyle. Triple threat rules, man. Triple threat rules. Three completely different individuals. Three completely different body types, three different fighting styles. 
This is the first time that we were privileged enough to see C.J. O'Doyle in a Fest wrestling ring. We have seen Saeed Al-Sabah and Arya Blake before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of those beautiful things about a triple threat match that features people with different backgrounds and different styles. Different abilities, of course. And it starts with a bang. And I mean a bang, because the bell rings and C.J. O'Doyle immediately gives Arya Blake a big boot and sends Arya out of the ring. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Certainly not Arya. Uh, (laughs) Poor girl who just gets leveled. And it's kind of like... It's kind of quiet for a second. That's what I was going to say. There was an audible gasp. Oh my god. Is Arya still alive? For sure. The entire crowd was like, what the F? So, interesting beginning. And now, basically, it's a singles match between uh, Saev Al-Saban and CJ O'Doyle. O'Doyle fights like a big man. And he is a big man, but he fights like an even bigger man. Right. Like, there is a presence. There is an aura that extends his brawn to uh, to the next level, right. not to make, not to uh, harken back to Alter Beast, but that's kind of <laughs> happening. It's kind of happening with C.J. O'Doyle hey, here. Never apologize for mentioning Alter Beast on this show. You hear me? Power up. And so, yeah, I mean, I, the the physicality of O'Doyle is on display from the very very beginning with that big boot. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, Saeval Sabah is definitely not a small person either. So, no. so he's going toe to toe with C.J. O'Doyle on the outside, and out of nowhere, Ario Blake recovers and does not one but two suicide dives uh, into uh, Saeev and into uh, C.J. And uh, Arya climbs the top rope and comes off in a backspin to the outside. I need to I need to, to brush up on what these moves are called. Uh, well, backspin works. Backspin, yeah. Now, I couldn't tell what she was going for. When, once she got up there, there seemed to be a moment of hesitation. And then, nope, here she comes yeah, yeah. to save the day. Mighty Mouse, like, man, uh, there, no fear. No fear out of this young woman. And if if Arya Blake were a, a clothing line, <laughs> she'd be no fear T-shirt. Uh, well, that's three consecutive I episodes. I know. I gotta stop mentioning them. That or they owe us money at this point. Um, but uh, C.J. O'Doyle gets the upper hand on Arya Blake and uh, dangles Arya and actually does uh, about ten or so squats with Arya in tow, uh, which was very interesting. Uh, C.J. is showing off his strength. His strength. Uh, C.J. eventually throws Arya. Aria lands on referee Frank Gastineau, or lands in Frank Gastineau's arms. Uh, that's, yeah. And Aria, I guess happy that Frank caught her, plants a big old wet one on Frank Gastineau's lips. And who booked that, by the way? I think Frank booked that. Frank, Frankie booked that. Frank's like, here's 20 bucks, Tony. Like, maybe Aria <laughs> lands on me and kisses That's a me. hell of a thank you, Aria. Can I do any favors yeah, for you? I'll, I mean, can I'll I, like... you. You do, you do a flipping, spinning I'll thing. I'll do your laundry oh, or, yeah. like, no, give Darren, you a ride. Darren will do your laundry, but I want the benefits. I want the kisses. No, no, no. <laughs> so that's interesting. Um, I, I like that that happens. Uh, but from that, it's kind of like, oh, I want, like, a... I want like a running angle where Frank is always her referee and he always cheats for Arya because he has a crush on Arya. If anybody can pull it off, it's Frank Gaston. Pull it off, Frankie G. However, the fun for Frank doesn't last very long The CJ actually slams Arya. Saban and CJ go toe-to-toe for quite a while with some power moves until Arya cleans house. Arya actually gets in the yes kicks uh, to uh, to both uh, CJ and uh, Saif. Uh, CJ Gorilla Press slams Arya to Saban on the outside. 
CJ hits spinning tombstone on Arya and goes for pin, but... Which, that was pretty gnarly. Yeah, but Sabah throws CJ out and steals that win. Your winner, and going into that pickle in the tree match, is Saeed Al-Sabah. Boom! Now, all three of these guys impressed me. Uh, I should say people, because uh, Arya's not a guy. But uh, they all all did a great job. I thought it was a very good match. I thought it was a well-booked match. It was. This was an excellent opener. Mm-hmm. You good, know, and Good pacing for a triple threat match, which is not easy. And both in real life and hashtag if wrestling were real, it's nice for Al-Sabah to have opened with this. So now he gets to rest for the duration of the show right. before having to compete against five other individuals in a ladder match. Yeah, yeah. And this ladder match is ladder... Uh, <laughs> Later, yes. very. This this may be a linguistics podcast after. Yes, all. it's a ladder match of latter day matches. <laughs> there you go. Uh, following that, we have another qualifying match, but not for the pickle in the tree. No, no, no. This is a tag match, and the winner goes on to qualify for the love cup. Oh shit! It's about time for that again. And it's almost time for Love as a Battlefield Two, which is coming at you in February. Um, so this match uh, determines who gets to go in. This match is between the Coda, the team of Caden Green and Ronnie Rios. They take on a high profile, Shay Shay McGrady and Will Demented. And these two are going to uh, make quite a debut. Both of them are making an excellent debut here at 8 Seconds in front of a Fest Wrestling audience. A lot of this Fest Wrestling audience don't know these guys. And I was going to say that it's, it's rare that... Tony puts together a match of people that have not wrestled at Fest together. It, it, it's happened before, and it's kind of like, uh, I don't, like <laughs> we don't know who we're supposed to cheer for or whatever, but I, I'm pretty sure everyone enjoyed this match. It, it was a very enjoyable match. Oh, shit, yeah. And I think that part of the big, the, part of the big deal here is it is further growth of the universe. Right, right. It, it, not only did we get to see Tony Weinbender, the character, come in and expand the, the sort of idea of what... The backstage and the world of Fest Wrestling is like, you know, Fest Wrestling isn't simply a sporting event. We show up, we do our jobs, we go home. No, it's a, it's a world. Right, It's right. something to buy into and to follow. And in that world, we do. We bring in talents from the outside, like high profile, like the Coda. You know, we're going to get, I mean, who knows? Are we going to get scattered, smothered, covered? Or are we going to get hashtag demon shit? Well, we're going to get an argument that lasts between the Coda and high profile that eventually becomes a Smash Mouth All-Star. Um, which I was kind of, <laughs> I, I didn't quite catch how it began that way, but it certainly ended that way. Um, so it, everyone seemed to enjoy that. I, I was, I, I laughed, but I was like, I don't, I don't know what's happening anymore. I, I, the thing I want to say about the coda is brilliant look, come through the curtain and I'm automatically invested. Right. They, they, they've put together a fantastic look. Uh, I know that Caden Green is uh, his social media goes by Music City Messiah. Mm-hmm. I know that the Coda are booked from Music City, Tennessee. Uh, there is a weird, and you know, obviously by virtue of hashtag demon shit, there's something going on there that's sort of sinister. It's sort of Rob Zombie. It's sort of uh, Otis Driftwood. I'm, I, and I'm like, wow, that's there's a spookiness there with Green and with Rios is just with the fur, you know, the furry shoulders. 
and and, and the black uh, face face makeup. He looks like a Dothraki. The yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you Absolutely, go. yeah, yeah. So you know, Game of Thrones reference, by the way. A lot of people can't even spell Dothraki. I know I can't. Well, yeah. But no, well, the Dakota's doing everything right. High profile's got a great look. They're really pushing this whole Waffle House gimmick. Waffle those printed tights. Those tights. I, I want like a I want like a jumpsuit that's all waffle. Oh, I want <laughs> yes, like an Adidas tracksuit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, you get to making this, and you send they probably send, send you boy a free. They one. probably have those. They were probably wearing them backstage and took them off so that they could wrestle. Right. We just didn't see them. But yeah, <laughs> if if you got them. Let, let's see them. Hey, let's see them for sure. No, I don't. Uh, again, not being that familiar with high profile, um, I love the Waffle House gimmick. They're wearing, you know, like you know, uh, like sleeves, you know, like pull up sleeves, like old Hardy Boys style, mm-hmm. Hot Topic deals that have like you know the Waffle House type uh, the fonts. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's getting across this Waffle House idea. Yeah, and uh, you know, high profile is. is <laughs> I don't know what they are. They are that ob- like obnoxiously entertaining presence. They're, I said, it, it really felt to me, it reminded me a lot of PG-13. Yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, and, 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 I, and I stand by that. And again, anytime we make comparisons to people on this show, I, I really hope that those that are listening understand that these comparisons are made out of admiration, mm-hmm. out of respect, and, and, and sometimes out of love. Because... Hey, we love wrestling. If you're doing something that reminds us of something that we already love, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. And so the tag teams clash. These two go at it. They're trying to earn a place in that love cup. Yeah, All-Star doesn't last too long because uh, <laughs> your high profile actually delivers uh, twin super kicks to the Coda uh, to break up the, the love fest. The, the love fest for the love The cup. love cup fest. The love cup fest. Um, and it, it's just a good match. It's a good tag team match here. Will Demented hits a really, really cool uh, corkscrew something uh, <laughs> that I don't think anyone saw coming. No, it's, um, it's one of the few times that uh, I know you've mentioned it on the show before. You look at essentially the crow's nest. Yeah. Uh, you, you see some wrestlers that uh, are going to be on the card later. They seem, seem to congregate up top. And to see them pop. Mm-hmm. For this, this was uh, obviously no one in the crowd, no one in the back saw this coming. Uh, it was unexpected, well executed, and a lot of fun. Right, absolutely. And and speaking of that, everyone up in the crow's nest, all your wrestlers gawking at the matches down below. Remember, you're still in half the pictures, guys, so, uh, you know, act accordingly. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, just a, a lot of good stuff out of uh, both Dakota and High Profile on this one. Uh, Ronnie has a guy up in a fireman's carry. Uh, and Caden bounces off the rope and hits hits him with the knee. Ronnie comes down with the Samoan drop and the pin. And Dakota, they go over on High Profile. So this will not... Hopefully it's not the last time we see the High Profile either. But it's definitely not the last time we're going to see the Coda. We will see the Coda this coming February as they have earned their way into the tag team tournament for the Love Cup at Love is a Battlefield 2. I can't wait to see them. Yeah, absolutely. Next, we have another tag team match. We have Awaken, the team of Leon Scott. Oh, okay. Leon Scott. Son of a bitch! And <laughs> and his flunky wolf 
Taylor. That other son of a bitch. Wolfie. Little Wolfie T. Wolfie T. So these guys are going to be taking on the team of Beastly and Milo Beasley, the wrestling bum. About that last name there, dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have <laughs> we have the same last name. No relation. How are there no wrestling Smiths like Davy Boy Smith? There, was, there is. You just how is there not one except for this one? I mean, like now nowadays, there is. There's D H Smith. What? His son, person? Davy Boy Smith Jr. Nah, he doesn't count. He totally counts. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's gonna be wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, so the, there we go. Well. He's got one thing over me. All right, here we go. Whoa. Beastly and Beasley against uh, old Leon and Wolf Taylor. I definitely and... think their tag team name should be Milo Beastly. Oh, of course, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and this thing gets physical fast. These guys start going at it really quick. Eventually, Awaken gets pushed to the outside, which leaves Beastly and Beastly to do double suicide dives onto him. Well, Beastly does kind of the slower suicide dive where he crawls, out of the, uh, crawls through the rope and then jumps off. Uh, which is always, it's always hilarious. <laughs> and they brawl on the outside, of course, a whole bunch after that. Brawling on the outside, that is Leon's favorite. It really is his favorite. Leon Scott, he's like, I don't want to stay in the ring and wrestle you. I want to brutalize you on the outside with uh, architecture and furniture. Well, speaking of architecture, the, uh, the brawl stays on the outside for quite a while. In fact, Wolf Taylor climbs the Tiki Hut. That led, that's on the other side of the stairs that lead up to the it's second a, floor. It's a building that's inside the building. Yeah, so Wolf Taylor is on top of the Tiki Hut, and he jumps off and lands on uh, Milo Beasley and uh, Beasley. Wolf Taylor has, a pardon the expression, no fear. <laughs> if you were a clothing line, you would know if you are a clothing line. Uh, we got to think of new things to say. Uh, <laughs> and uh, at this point, I realized the match never actually officially began. Um, because they're all brawling the outside, and it stays on the outside for quite a while. Um, it it goes over to where the 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 girl is selling uh, PBRs out of the out of the steel uh, steel container. It's like a trough. It's like a uh, it's like a water trough. Yeah, okay, but you, it's still on a PBR or an ice. Right, you would normally feed your horses or or water your horses out of this uh, big metal container. But yeah, here at eight seconds saloon. It's full of ice and tall boy PBRs. Oh, yeah. Well, Leon throws Beastly uh, into the uh, container and then onto I was about to say, uh, the ice. Yeah. He, puts, he puts Beastly on ice. He does. He puts Beastly on ice. You can see a wonderful picture of that on our Instagram. Oh, uh, yes, you can. I commented it looks like an old newspaper clipping. Um, Leon did not like that. Leon doesn't like anything. This is true. This is Except very true. Except subordination from Wolf Taylor. <laughs> Uh, Milo actually gets thrown on top of Beastly too while he's in the uh, he's in the, the PBR ice bath. Um, but uh, I know, yeah. At one point, Milo Beasley is actually right in front of me, uh-huh. like writhing on the ground in pain, and I'm like, "My name is Beasley too." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, the uh, the match finally gets back into the ring, and it actually begins. Obviously, uh, Beasley and Beastly at a disadvantage because of all the pain they just endured on the outside. So we get into a tag format. Awaken does their best to isolate Milo from Beastly. Uh, Milo Beasley taking all the punishment from Awaken while Beastly is just... He's ready for that hot tag, man. He needs that hot tag. Uh, which, of course, he does make with Beastly, but the referee had his back turned and didn't see it. 
So he forces Beastly to go back to his corner, which means Milo gets more punishment. They eventually get the tag, and Beastly and Beasley clean house, uh, spinning forearm party on Awaken. Uh, chairs and a door get thrown in, Milo is thrown out. Awaken prop up a door onto two chairs, and uh, Leon Scott actually chokeslams Beastly through the door. Into Oblivia Cree. Into Oblivia Cree, and then he, uh, he gets the pen. Awaken wins. And, uh... I'm sick of awakening winning things. <laughs> can we please have some... Can somebody defeat them, please? Yeah, I think someone needs to put them in their place, but not us. Someone we only report to, the news. Someone we don't, needs we to don't put them to sleep. Um, with that, we go into intermission, which is, of course, Los Murmurs. Los Murmurs. Uh, this is a reprise from the night before. A brawl by the beach. Los Murmurs in their Lucha Libre masks playing... Some rockabilly surf music, old school instrumental, pulp fiction soundtrack, punk reggae. This is fun dance ska punk rock. Right, and I, I will say I've at, at all the fest shows that we've been to, this is the most that the audience paid attention to the uh, to, to the music. I think because there weren't vocals, it was just. Instrumental, I think, was kind of very appealing to everybody in general. So everyone was kind of like, hey, yeah, I can just mellow out to this. And, and, and I don't know. There was a keyboard. You don't really see a like, keyboard in punk, but there was a keyboard. Oh, there. man, it's, it's absolutely essential, though, for that nice, like, reggae ska sound. Right. To have that organ sort of in the background. It's like, because, you know, and the, the, the guitars and the drums are so loud, you know, three feet away from you. Mm-hmm. So at some points you're looking at the organist and he's banging away, you know, like animal <laughs> from, from Dr. Yes. Teeth, uh, except not on the drums, on the organ. And you're like, I don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, there it is. I, I was doing that too. I was kind of like, what, what, what keyboard is playing? I can't, I can't hear it. But And then all of a sudden it, it, it kind of shines through and you get that sort of warm undercurrent from the organ and that's always a lot of fun right right i don't know if it was said the night before at brawl by the beach but here at pickle in the tree too we are informed that los murmurs are the new house band yeah so does that mean we're seeing them every time every time most of the time i don't know i don't know but i'm into it It, it's cool i mean i i'll miss the randy savages if, if that's the case Oh, yeah, but, they're, but, they're I mean, pretty great. But Tony, uh, do what you do, Tony. Uh, I enjoyed them, though. That was good stuff. And, and I'm totally into Los Murmurs. I can't wait to see them in February. Absolutely. But now, back to the action in the ring. Joey Ryan is going to hit the ring, and he's going to take on Eric Cannon. And this is a first wrestling title match. Eric this Cannon, is not the first wrestling title match, but it, it is, is for the first wrestling title. It is a first wrestling championship, not the first. Re- well, it is the first wrestling championship, right? But it's not the first. Is it the first? <laughs> oh, who's on first? Who's on first? Wait wrestling? a minute. Is, is this a wait a is minute? This a Abbott and Costello routine? They did that on purpose, didn't they? They may have. Did we just walk right into that? Did we just step on? the blade part of the rake and send it up and hit ourselves we with the did. handle. Sideshow Bob style. Uh, <laughs> Teddy Sippy will get that reference. Um, uh, Eric Cannon, though, is your first wrestling champion, and he's putting that belt up against Joey Ryan. Uh, and I can't think of two wrestlers who are more uh, dissimilar from each other. The, there is no one more dissimilar from each other yeah. than Joey 
uh, Magic Dick Ryan <laughs> and Eric the Pleasure Cannon Cannon. Yes. Well, well, there you go. So obviously it's already a, a, a clash of uh, personalities uh, in the ring. Uh, Joey Ryan with his blow pop and uh, Eric Cannon with his, uh, his his trusty tall boy of PBR. Effie's always talking about being the most corporate-sponsored sports entertainer, but Eric Cannon literally has it tattooed on his hand. He has it embroidered on his gear, and he is imbibing it into his belly. Indeed, indeed. So the very beginning, the, uh, the the argument between the two of them is, of course, Joey Ryan wants Eric Cannon to touch his dick, which which of is course. commonplace in a Joey Ryan match. I mean, some of you who don't know that might be like, I'm sorry, what? But that happens in every Joey Ryan match. It's what he does. It's old hat. Right. It's a good old hat. It's a good old hat. Eric Cannon, of course, wants Joey Ryan to, to drink PBR. And for some reason, Joey Ryan's like, no, I, I hate that stuff. I think he's probably much more of a wine cooler kind of guy. Right, right. And it's, it's, I've seen the Joe, I've seen a Joey Ryan match done like, you know, a thousand times, right? And, and, and a lot of the beats are pretty consistent. And that being said, a lot of wrestlers have consistent spots throughout their matches. So I'm not saying Joey Ryan's the only one guilty of that. No, no. And like I just got through saying, it's a good old hat. You no, know what I'm saying. But, and I wanted to say that I've seen this a thousand times. But it's still funny every single time I see it because even though you see it a thousand times, it's slightly different every time. And I, I, I do want to say hats off to Joey Ryan and Eric Cannon for making this an exchange, a very different exchange. This one was very different, especially, you're right. Especially, yeah, especially when eventually Eric Cannon is forced to grab Joey Ryan's dick. Um, and <laughs> Eric Cannon takes swigs of PBR to kind of give him strength, much like Popeye and the spinach. Um, so with every swig of PBR, he's able to kind of get off his knees and, and rise up again. And Joey Ryan, of course, you know, adds more force, I guess, that goes through his dick into <laughs> Eric Cannon. And eventually the Eric Cannon runs out of PBR and, uh, you know, tilts over the empty, empty, uh, container. And unfortunately, Joey Ryan does not run out of dick. He never runs out of dick. Joey Ryan's always got plenty of dick. And of course, uh, that's it. He, uh, Eric Cannon gets the dick flip. And uh, that goes down, of course. Joey Ryan actually hits Cannon with a Frankensteiner off the top rope, too. So jo you, you forget Joey Ryan can also wrestle. Right. Um, which, which is uh, obviously a, um, a very big positive with Joey Ryan. Like he Obviously, the things that make Joey Ryan are evident, and you'll see it in every Joey Ryan match. But you also kind of remember, like, oh, yeah, he can wrestle, too. Like... I can't fucking do a Frankensteiner. Right. This guy too often gets labeled as a sideshow, and he's anything but. Right. And the the finish this match is also very good, too, because Joey Ryan goes to put the blow pop in uh, Eric Cannon's mouth and give him the super kick. This is, of course, the second much nastier blow pop. Right. That comes <laughs> from the front of his trunks. Right, right. Uh, Cannon actually catches the super kick, spits out the blow pop, super kicks Ryan... And then uh, he pins Joey Ryan and retains that first championship belt. Uh, winner, Eric Cannon. Uh, good for you, Eric Cannon. You survived the power of Joey Ryan's uh, bionic, amazing <laughs> super dick. Yes. Now we are at our penultimate match of the evening. It is a triple threat tag team match. And only one of these teams 
is going to qualify for the Love Cup. Yeah, another Love Cup qualifier match with three of the finest tag teams. Right. And wrestling. It's going to kind of break my heart that two yep. of these teams are not going to be in the Love Cup. Yeah, because uh, we thought it was just a triple threat tag match, and then it was announced that it was a Love Cup qualifier, and it was like, but does that mean the other two won't be there? I, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about that, because the ugly ducklings come out. They take on Tech, and they take on the Gym Nasty Boys. I definitely don't want to not see all three of these teams in the tournament for the Love Cup. Mm-hmm. But apparently, two of them, most definitely we will not. This is Thunderdome. This Six uh, men enter, two in their coach, maybe <laughs> potentially leave, I don't know. But I'm not worried about it because the Ducklings talked to us earlier in the day and they said they pretty much had this in the bag. Oh yeah. Wasn't a big deal, so we go in there pretty comfortable and this match starts fast and furious. So Fast and Furious, they had the match nine times. Uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious sequel. Um, so yeah, uh, Gymnasty Boys, they hit double suicide dives on Tech. And there's all this great stuff going on in the ring because these guys have fought each other hundreds of times by now. And it's always it's always a beautiful thing. Hashtag fight forever. Fight forever. Uh, Killjoy launches Lance Lude outside onto Tech, uh, which was amazing. <laughs> Poor Lude. Gets kind of launched like the human cannonball into all these horrible situations. Uh, Killjoy comes off the top rope and he uh, he joins everyone on the outside as well. Lude leaps off the top rope and hits a hurricanrana on Timmy Lou Retton, which is amazing. Tech does that thing where they where they pick up an opponent in kind of a crucifixion style, and I right. mentioned I said something like this earlier. I was talking about the Bludgeon Brothers. It's uh, the it's, it's, same it's thing. It's kind of the same thing, only it it requires a third person to do it. Because each member of Tech holds up an arm, basically crucifying your opponent. But someone has to run through the middle and grab the opponent by the legs and flip them all the way like around. A, yeah, like a pendulum. Like a, Exactly. More like a pendulum, yeah. The Bludgeon Brothers, of course, from WWE that you mentioned earlier on the Clash of Champions. But, yeah, they, that, that that's more of like a double razor's edge. Right. Um, and Timmy Lee Retton is the one who runs through and, and does it on, on the... On one of the ducks. And can we take just a moment to to stop and say, yes, his name is Timmy Lou Retton. <laughs> I know we mentioned that on the show a long time ago, but please don't overlook that genius. No, please don't. Please don't overlook the genius of Timmy Lou Retton. So after all the, uh, all, all the in the ring uh, awesomeness happens... This thing goes outside, and that's where all hell breaks loose. Yes, it does. Uh, yeah, man, getting uh, people getting slammed into the the uh, the PBR trough. Um, Lance Lou grabs a grabs a PBR tall boy and spits it out in Timmy Lou Retton's face. Um, <laughs> I, I'm really what? thirsty right now thinking about. Oh, it. not me. Ugh. So refreshing, dude. Oh man. Um, <laughs> Rob Killjoy throws uh, White Mike into a trash can. And then uh, it beats up on Timmy Lurette and kind of sits him outside the trash can. And then uh, summons Lance Lude. They hit the launch pad McQuack. In which case, Rob Killjoy monkey flips Lance Lude into the Gymnasty Boys who are awaiting anxiously in the trash can. Poor White Mike can't see anything because no. he's, he's doing a headstand in the yeah, trash can. I'm White Mike. I'm just completely upside down in a trash can. 
that I'm sure smells awesome. Oh, man. Oh, God. A, a very much used trash a can. A very used trash can. Right. Lance Lude disappears, and all of a sudden he appears on the second story. He, I, I, In some circles, that's called teleportation. Yeah, he teleported. Uh, and, yeah, all of a sudden he's up top. And, and Coach Mikey is screaming at him not to jump. <laughs> So, of course, does that make Lance not want to jump? I don't think he heard him. No, I think that makes sense. <laughs> I think some... everybody in the place heard Coach Mikey except for Lance Lude. <laughs> so, Lance Lude jumps off of that second story onto basically everybody. Oh, man, dude. He comes off of that railing off of the second story. As soon as he catches air, his legs kick sideways. He claps his hands, and he... Is like a flying squirrel. He's like a flying duck, and he he comes crashing. Down. <laughs> a flying, a, a not so flying duck, a yeah. falling duck. Right, right. And a lame duck, if you will. Not that there's anything lame about whoa, Lance whoa, Lou. whoa, all right. And he comes crashing down on all of the fellows below. Yeah. Somehow everyone recovers, though. The action gets back into the ring again. Uh, Killjoy hits a super back body drop on White Mike from the top rope, which looked amazing. Uh, there's a human pyramid spot that gets set off by Trevor Reed. Uh, Reed tries to pin everyone, but gets only two counts. Uh, Frank Gaston, of course, referee. Uh, White Mike hits the can opener, that, that aeroplane spin DDT. That, that shit is ridiculous. Can opener is always fun to watch. He actually hits it on Killjoy. Usually it's on Lude, uh, so it's nice that Killjoy... Taking some of the punishment for Lude. Because I've seen Lude take it a few times. Uh, obviously, it's not nice to see anyone take a can opener, but give, give Lude the night off. He just jumped off the second story. Um, Reed hits that single knee neckbreaker move. You know what I mean? The What is it? The fireman's carry. And then basically, you throw them over, um, but they you land you land them the back of their head on, on, on your knee. And then Big Mike Monroe hits a huge slam and a pin... And Tech actually steals the win on this one. What? Tech kind of avenging themselves from the night before where they lost in wow. their match against the Ugly Ducklings. Uh, Gymnasty Boys getting involved in that one even. Uh, kind of a precursor of what would follow the next night on Pickle. And uh, Tech actually gets the win. And Ducklin wow. Ducklings, what happened? You said. You said. Ducks, you said. You, you promised even. You promised you'd win forever. You promised. You promised. <laughs> I mean, that's all I wanted for Christmas was an Ugly Ducklings victory. That's, there's no Christmas this year because it didn't happen. No, do do they know it's Christmas? <laughs> After all, I, I don't I don't think they do. Uh, but regardless, I'm sure these folks will fight again, and I, I look forward to it happening again. But folks, but I, they're not going to fight each other in the battle for the love cup. They are apparently. That's not, that's a very sad thing as well. Tech qualifies, and the other two, I guess, are just gonna. Hit the curb, honey. So we will for sure see Tech and the Coda and the Love Cup. And uh, we look forward to that. But Ooh, Tech versus the Coda? Oh. That's something to look forward to, maybe. That's going to take us into the final match of the evening. The match. So nice. They named the entire show after it. The Pickle in the Tree match. Now, for those who do not know, once more, Pickle in the Tree is basically like a Money in the Bank match for WWE. Right. The basis is that it is a ladder match. Right. A match that happens late in the night. Ladder after everything else. Um, so, yeah, for those who don't even know what that is, um, basically, you climb your opponents. All have an opportunity. You should know what a ladder is. Right. All, the, uh, all your opponents have the opportunity to climb a ladder and grab 
a uh, in this case a pickle uh, that is suspended above the ring. If you can get that, that means you win the match, and with that, you win an opportunity to challenge the champion at any time that you see fit. Um, and that's basically what the match is. Uh, only thing is you have multiple opponents trying to make it happen, so it's uh, it's not so easy. Now, this match does contain Caleb Conley, which, again, just kind of got a free pass. Auto-qualify. He just got to walk right into this one. Uh, and he's with Saeed Al-Sabah, who won earlier in the night. However, at a disadvantage, because he's a little sore from wrestling earlier on. Uh, Serpentico is in the match. He qualified from the night before. Effie as well. Beat Awaken. Overcome the odds. Uh, Vandal is in there, Jason Cade of Pop Culture, uh, also in there, but again, Jason Cade, and, and Effie as well, both veterans, it comes to Pickle in the Tree matches, they're, they have been in both of them so far. Uh, and Vandal, of course, is sneaking in there, because there has to be a tinge <laughs> of Awaken, because be Effie s- can not escape this, these Bastards of the Wasteland. Yeah, the, so Vandal is there to represent Awakened, of course. Jason Cade, by the way, is dressed as Santa Claus. Yes, he is. He's, the whole time. He's full-on Santa Claus minus the, the beard and the and the wig. He's got the hat, though, I believe, and he's, he definitely has the get-up on. Um, and we think that's it. The, the, that, that, that's it for the Pickle the Tree match. Let's well, get I mean, going. It certainly should be it. However, there's a special surprise entrance into the match. We hear uh... Sue Young's music. Uh, and Fest Wrestling Champion Sue Young is now involved in the match. And how can this be? Huge pop, by the way. That was a huge pop um, that Sue got just for being in the match. Because I think people thought, like, no Sue Young match, I guess. Well, yeah. First of all, uh, who does Fest Wrestling love more than Sue Young? Oh, yeah. Right? Well, well, uh, we're going to find out at the Love Cup. Uh, <laughs> we're we are. Out. It's a it's a it's a battle. Yeah, we're gonna. But I mean, come on. Of course, they're gonna pop for Sue. Of course, absolutely. She's your champion. Well, she she's is your champ for a year. She's the face that runs that place. She is. She has beat ass all year long. Oh, yeah. To to stay right where she is with that fest championship uh, around her waist or the end of her cane or over her shoulder. Right. So we find out what Tony Weinbender promised Sue. In order to get the pickle from Sue, basically sneaky, a chance sneaky. a chance to get the pickle back again. Uh, so I assume if Sue Young wins the match, that means that there are no... Like, you can't go fight someone, and then all of a sudden someone's music hits and they show up for their title shot and Sue's exhausted. Much how she won the match, you know, against Heidi sure. Lovelace to become Fest Wrestling Champion. We're, or, not, we're not saying they're sneaky tactics. Or, basically, this is kind of her one-up. That's right. If this she loses true. the belt, I mean, losing the belt, she wouldn't lose the pickle. She could immediately cash the pickle in if she were to ever lose the belt, right? Right. That, that's pretty cool. That's actually, I didn't think of it that way. It's yeah. actually very, very smart indeed. It, it, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a certainly a possibility. Right. So Sue Young comes out, all the fans are happy. The competitors, though, are not happy at all. No. Uh, Jason Cade actually grabs a microphone and basically... Lambastes the idea that Sue Young is even there, and uh, Jason Cade then takes a knee. He takes a knee in protest, and everyone super kicks him, which is just hilarious to watch. Just just seeing six individuals all super kick one person is is a pretty great visual. I gotta say, uh, it, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. And that's it. The match is underway. This is a pickle in the tree match, so it's crazy. I basically gave up taking notes at this point and just took pictures and videos because there was too much happening. 
However, Jason Cade is the first one to go grab a ladder. He grabs a very small ladder <laughs> trying to get the pickle, uh, realizes it's not big enough, and goes and finds the middle size ladder. Again, not big enough. And then Goldilocks finds a ladder that's just right. Um, a ladder tall enough to actually reach the pickle, but doesn't quite get there. Of course, everyone's also battling for it. Now I'm now I'm hungry because now I'm thinking about porridge and pickles. <sighs> I don't, Darren, have you ever had porridge? No, and it doesn't sound appealing at all. It might be too hot. It might be too cold. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just right. Okay, well, when it's just right, I'm sure it's just right. And this match is crazy, by the way. There, there, there are spots going on everywhere. I think <laughs> I don't know if the competitors remembered. That the object is to get the pickle out of the top there to win the match because they're diving every single way except for you except know, heading up. up. They're <laughs> heading. They're heading in every other direction. If you had like a map of like arrows and trajectories, they'd be in every direction except for up. Um, it's just it, it's it's crazy because everyone's jumping out of the ring to land on someone laying on a table or a door or or a stack of chairs. Sue Young does the running forward flip. And to Caleb Connolly, who's waiting in like a, a throne of chairs. That is that is bad, like a pyramid. Yeah, a pyramid. Like a ten thousand dollar pyramid. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, like you were saying, not not only are they not using, do they have they forgotten that it's a ladder match, uh, or or have they forgotten why ladders are in matches? Because uh, Effie totally uh, Terry funks it up by uh, let's not climb the ladder. Let's just stick our head in between a couple of the rungs. And then spin around. Oh, yeah, yeah, And we yeah. will just bang and collide and nick everyone into shreds. Uh, there, That is one of the most reckless uh, moves in all of the history of pro wrestling is that Terry Funk ladder spot. Do you know how many different things Effie's been hit with uh, <laughs> just in the, the fans bring the party match alone? I don't think he cares anymore. I, I think Effie has transcended pain. Uh, he just he just knows he has to hit his opponents with something at this point. But I was going to say, it, it gets really fucking horrible, especially when they bring out the uh, Christmas ornaments. Um, oh my god. Yeah, and people start uh, getting sh- shreds of ornaments on them. That is bad news, Barris. Like, I, that, talk about being sliced to ribbons. That's precisely... What shattered Christmas ornaments will do? That's like, that's like putting four hundred exacto knives in the ring. It's like, are you kidding me? These people are going to be sliced and diced, and not like in a Waffle House kind of hash brown kind of way, like a high profile kind of way. Right. But I mean, much like the first pick on the tree match, this this match is just everywhere. I mean, Saif Al Saban Vandal. Or by the merchandise area, Vandal like throws a trash can on top of Saif Al Sabah. It's just kind of like, hey, it's like totally doesn't care about his life at all. I, at one point, when uh, Sabah is back in the ring, his uh, no hands leap over the top rope. Oh yeah, his yeah. Particular flavor of plancha is a salty fucking flavor. That is an impressive <laughs> move going over the top rope uh, in such a way. It's like. It, it it's half spin, half cannonball, all aerial magnificence, uh, and, and absolutely devastating to the opponents waiting on the outside. So I I continue to be impressed with Saeed Al Sabah. Him at a glance, the the gimmick, uh, the mean mugging, and the the ring gear 
don't scream high flyer to me. And then all of a sudden he busts that stuff out and I'm, my jaw hits the floor every time. Yeah, he did a, he did a moonsault. Uh, I don't know if it was earlier in the night against Arya Blake and CJ O'Doyle or was during that match. Yes. But he totally did a moonsault in the top rope. And no one was and, home. And no one answered the phone when he uh, called. Um, but it, it was, uh, you got, you got a lot of air that, 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 that counts for something. Sure. Yeah, man. No, for sure. That was blistered his front side upon impact, I'm sure. Yeah, so everyone who qualified to be in this match totally deserved to be there. All of them were a credible threat. Anyone could have won that match, and it would have been totally fine. Um, you know, every, everyone's doing great stuff. Everyone's got some great spots. Uh, we put up plenty of videos and pictures from it. Everyone else did, because there are too many spots to go into without this being like a, a special four-hour-long episode. <laughs> um, but uh, I definitely can't wait until this all shows up on YouTube, because I, I, I have to watch this match again. Oh, this match will be watched again and again and again. I, I watched last year's Pickle Match again and again, and this one stands right beside it in, in terms of calamity right. and uh, spectacle. And it's way more well-lit. Uh, <laughs> that is true. Because it's nighttime, but it's nighttime indoors with lights on. So it's craziness, it's wackiness, there's giant presence in the ring, broken ornaments, uh, chairs are in the ring, Serpentico puts a chair between Vandal's legs, Vandal's sitting in the, the corner, and <laughs> Serpentico, like, nails the chair between his legs with a chair. Yeah, is he playing cricket? Yeah, uh, he played cricket. Um, and that was just devastating. Nobody horrible. understands cricket. Um, Serpentico and Caleb Conley have a great exchange. I'm pretty sure uh, Serpentico hits Caleb Conley with the Canadian Destroyer, which is like flawless execution. Um, I mean, Serpentico... Serpentico the cool thing about, about watching Serpentico wrestle at Brawl by the Beach and Pickle in the Tree 2 was after we interview him, kind of getting his psychology... And he's like, yeah, I did this, this, and this. And then you watch his match and say, he does do that, that, and that. Right. Um, so that that was kind of a cool insight. Like, you know, he's, he's doing all the things he says that he does. So that was very cool. And Serpentico just seems, even though he, even though he, he, he obviously is a, a very funny guy and, and, and I want to say wacky, but he's got a really cool sense of humor, especially if he's pals with, with that old, that old goofball Teddy Stigma. Um, he takes his matches very seriously, so you, you can see Serpentico thinking, even though he's wearing a mask. You can see him thinking very hard throughout a match. But and there's a there's a level of intensity there that's different than that of of John Cruz. Right, absolutely. So it's all great. Like I said, anyone can win this match. However, in the end, uh, here's how it goes down. Vandal, his chances look pretty good at this point because Leon Scott and Wolf Taylor appear on the scene. And Leon Scott gets between, <laughs> they, they get the ladder propped up. Uh, Leon Scott actually gets Vandal up on his shoulders, trying to help Vandal get up that ladder. I don't know why he thought Vandal couldn't do it on his own. Dear listeners, I know you can't see me right now. I'm clenching my fists He's and gritting angry. my teeth. He, he is angry. Um, Can we stop? With the Awaken. Well, Awaken was a... They played a big part in the last Pickle in the Tree as well. They play a big part in everything! Taking Effie out of the match completely. But this time, Awaken, they think they have it. Leon Scott thinks, I'm gonna let... I'm gonna help Vandal get this get this win and get this pickle out. But however, there is a savior. A, a blow-pop... <laughs> blow-pop-sucking savior. Uh, Joey Ryan appears on the scene... Uh, That's badass. I love that Joey Ryan shows up, and I'm so glad that it was him. And, of course, he pulls the blow pop out of his trunks, 
holds it up like it's like this magic scepter and then he climbs the ladder is able to intercept vandal before he gets to the pickle um which vandal falls down the ladder i think he falls into wolf taylor who catches him um leon scott i guess goes to maybe leave or maybe attack joey ryan but he ends up of course grabbing joey ryan's magical dick it's also magnetic apparently it is magnetic uh, and if our hands were made of metal that would mean something <laughs> that would mean something um so leon scott is now doing the doing the joey ryan bit with joey ryan on a ladder which i i had not seen <laughs> um unfortunately leon scott though not only is this happening to him there's also a table set up right out right on the other side of the ladder so joey ryan makes leon scott dick flip from the ladder onto a table which is badass, by the way. And it's exactly what Leon Scott deserves. It is. It's just desserts because for a while there I was thinking, I love that it's Joey Ryan. Why is it Joey Ryan? And then I went, oh yeah. Brawl by the Beach. The reason Vandal won that triple threat match is because Wolf Taylor and, and Leon Scott interfere. Leon Scott choke slammed Joey Ryan. So this Joey Ryan getting revenge on Awaken and especially Leon Scott. And I was like, oh man. I, you're telling me, hashtag who booked this shit? Somebody who is smart. Right, absolutely. So I love that it was uh, part one and part two of The weekend. Right. So it, it, it felt consistent. I love that there, there is more story. It's not just, well, someone showed up and someone showed up. You guys fight. We got someone and someone. You guys fight. Like, I love there's continuity. It's right. It's not it's, it's not random. It's not even who's good and who's bad. Right. It's not even necessarily who's friends and who's not. Right. It is. It, it makes complete sense. Mm -hmm, absolutely. It's very, very well done. And now, with the ladder clear, Joey Ryan kind of just disappears. Um, having done his job well. Way to go there, Joey Ryan. Uh, Effie gets onto the ladder, but when he gets to the top, he is met by an opponent, my, a mighty foe. Uh, Sue Young meets Effie on top, and Sue Young starts revving up the what you assume is going to be the blood mist, the red mist. Uh, Effie, however, counters the mist by <laughs> kissing Sue Young, and uh, we find that Effie... A little bit of tongue action there with Sue was able to get the red mist away from Sue. Now Effie has it, and Effie sprays Sue with Sue's very own red mist. Sue falls backwards into everyone else who is down below all the other opponents. That leaves Effie all alone to reach up, grab that pickle, and now Effie has won the pickle in the tree. Effie is the number one contender to Sue Young's Fest Wrestling Championship. Daddy brought the groceries. Daddy's got the pickle. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Top 10 all-time historic moments in the history of professional wrestling. Oh. Is in the history the of history. In the mouth swap of the Red Mist. Yeah. I, I, it, it, it's... It, I, wow. It, it's, it's Hemingway. It's Shakespeare. It's... It's biblical. <laughs> it's Effie. It's Effie. It's Effie. So Effie is now the number one contender to the championship. And he lets Sue know. He lets Sue know at the event when the night ends that, you know what? I'm not going to come at you from behind. I'm, I'm going to come at you like a man and do this for real. And basically sets up what the main event is going to be at Love is a Battlefield 2, which is going to be Sue Young. 
putting her belt on the line against Effie, who is now number one contender. I love this usage of it, and it shows that Effie's a lot of things, but it's important to understand he's a fighter, and he's a man. He's a fair fighter. And he is he, he's laying it all out there. I'm not going to walk around with my pickle in my hand all year, threatening you from behind. No, I'm going to come at you with my pickle in my hand and lay it <laughs> on the line at this place, at this time, and bitch, be ready. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited. His words, not ours, Sue. Those his were his words. words. Those okay. were his words. Okay. I don't know who the hell is going to win this match. I don't know. I'm going to have to like do the whole like like take my Effie t-shirt and my Sue Young t-shirt and cut them in half and sew them and together. Sew them together. And I'm going to have to. And depending on who walks by, that that's the side you want to kind of favor. Um, right, right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, one leg is fishnets. One is a wedding gown. Yeah, we're 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 great friends to have, by the way. We're uh... <laughs> you're the best. You're the best. Oh, hey, she she's the worst. She's the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's great. So, man, great night, great event, uh, fest wrestling. You did it again. You did it again. Uh, a big thank you to all the wrestlers who involved and who fell through tables and endured broken ornaments and. Uh, cold PBR ice chests um, or jumped off of the second story. I feel like everyone has to do it now. At every show, someone's got to jump. and it's, Someone has to take an incredible leap of faith. It's scary and impressive every time. And, you know, Wolf Taylor jumping off the Tiki Hut was basically just as high, by the way. That was sure awesome. Sure it was. Uh, I mean, the whole night was great. Great wrestling, uh, great story elements, uh, great spots. And that's typical fest, man. And, and saying typical fest makes me like, Makes you feel like it's like, oh, it's just, it's par. No. Like, no, it's it's above average. It's consistently above average. So we, we say it a lot on the show, folks. Go see a fest wrestling show. Now you've got two different chances. They're going to be in Gainesville, where they always are. And also in St. Augustine, if you're just a little bit, a little bit more <laughs> to the south or to the east. Um, check them out in St. Augustine for sure, yeah? Absolutely. St. Augustine just gives you another date to circle on the calendar. It gives you a different location. Don't fool yourself that Gainesville and St. Augustine are right next to one another. You folks from Miami, <laughs> you folks from Miami, get on uh, 95 and head north. Hit St. Augustine in case you can't make it all the way to Hogtown. If you're in Jacksonville, hell, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from the amphitheater. It is a hop, skip, and a jump. You know, just, just get your ass to a fest wrestling show. Absolutely. You want to see all the folks that are on this card and all the folks that are going to be on future cards. Every last one of them is impressing in one way or another. Right. That's right. Listen to Darren. He's my my co-host for a reason, folks. I believe in him. It is the hottest independent wrestling in the world. The best pro wrestling atmosphere in the world. An incredible in-ring product. Fest is family. Yes. It truly is. It's a beautiful, wonderful, uh, warm, inviting uh, place to be and get there and enjoy it. Dig it. Dig it. Hats off to the performers. Hats off to Tony Weinbitter, the promoter. And uh, we have to say, hey. You did it. <laughs> you, you did it. I think we accomplished a lot on today's show. We had uh, the Ugly Ducklings on. They were awesome. They were a lot of fun. What a show. Quack, quack. We got to talk Pickle in the Tree 2. Finally happened. We finally get to review it. 
And uh, a little bit of WWE there. Some headlines. We had some laughs. We had some laughs. We had some laughs. We usually laugh on this show. Yeah. Did you have some laughs? You can tell us. There's a lot of ways you can do that. Find us on Twitter. At Ref and Show Podcast. R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook. Like and share. Send us an email if you want to. Uh, the whole ref and show at gmail.com. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E. R-E-F-N. S-H-O-W at gmail.com or... Or find us on Instagram, The Whole Reffin Show. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W. Like our pictures, leave us comments, ask us questions. Anything you've got on your mind about our images from the history, the past, the present, and the future... (laughs) <laughs> there I go again. That's... You can't have pictures of the future of pro wrestling, <laughs> but you can have pictures of what may become the future. Let's let's, let's say it that way. Okay. A lot of fun on Instagram. We we have fun. We we do. We do have we have a lot of fun here uh, on Instagram. We have a lot of fun here at the whole ref and show. After all, it is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, folks. Once again, we want to thank all involved uh, that helped make the whole ref and show. By that I mean you, Darren. Because uh, <laughs> it's just you and I. Well, I, then I guess, you know, that, that means i got to thank you. Yeah, I'm grateful and for you. I'm grateful for you, too. I, I'm grateful. This is, wow, we're, we're 66 episodes down. 66 episodes. 66 episodes. Only 600 more. Yeah. And we'll have a pretty wicked episode. Well, the coda will be on that episode. <laughs> Most definitely. Episode 666 is, no matter what goes on, is going to involve the coda. Well, hopefully the coda will be on the show before then. Okay. But whether that... <laughs> whether I'm going to go buy a couple of uh, date books, a couple of calendars, and go ahead and mark what that episode will be. Yeah, so whether episode 666 is the first episode for the coda... Or not, um, well, we'll, we'll hopefully, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's not. It won't be their first appearance. No, I, I, I hope not. But no, but here we are. It's Christmas time. Uh, we're relaxing a little bit. We're trying to enjoy the holidays. Getting Friends, our eggnog on. Family, definitely getting our eggnog on. Getting the eggnog on. Oh, please nog me up. I bleed eggnog. If, Ew. If, if, if you if might want to get that one. If, if I were to be... Uh, 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 Mitch Noku drivered into, uh, we'll say, Christmas ornaments in the ring. Okay. It'd be uh, probably eggnog. It trails leaking eggnog. Be leaking eggnog. I drink a lot of it. I drink less less eggnog than that, but that's not to say I don't love it. Okay, yeah. But uh, it is the season. It is the season to nog. It is the season to nog, folks. And we hope you're all nogging at home. <laughs> I hope that you're <laughs> nogging. I hope that your noggins are okay. All right. Well, this this was a good episode. We learned a lot. Uh, <laughs> and from all of us here at the Whole Ref and Show, my name is Perry Smith. My name is Darren Beasley. And we'll catch you guys next week, episode 67, obviously, the last episode of the year. 2017 coming to a close. But we have a special guest for you next week. Tune in for that. And thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time. Merry Christmas! Happy Hanukkah! Happy Kwanzaa!
Nomaniacs, this is Hulk Hogan, the greatest of all time. I'm wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. So what you gonna do when Ho Ho Hogan runs wild on you?